0: does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Hubler has it all.
1: I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan, 93.5 and 107.5. Hope you're having a fantastic Thursday. You know, Jimmy's a veteran at this point. Before the show, I'll connect and I'm like, Jimmy, what? normally he says hi. What's going on? Now it's just like, let's get this over with. Like, <laughs> no hi, no nothing. I'm working on my notes. Get out of my face. Is that the, the feeling? Is that correct here, Jimmy? I
2: mean, there was some notes being gathered, but uh, it was not an intentional little forearm shiver your way. Maybe it's because I was used to being in here the last time and now it's just sad that you know we're 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 separated by a couple of Indiana miles. You
1: know that. You're giving me the cold shoulder. Is that what's going on here?
3: <laughs> Brian, you know that kid that always walks in like you, you hear the last second bell. It's like, "All right, you have a minute left in the passing period and then yep. he's the kid that walks in at the last minute. He walked into the show later than when he was supposed to be. So Man. he did not catch your what up that we all get to uh Exp, get to experience every single, every time you host.
1: That is partially true. I butcher. didn't know that was a signature thing I didn't realize it until you said that right now Eddie I always say that yeah. when I connect if I'm not there in the studio oh, it's yeah. a guarantee we, like it's minus 500 every day that we, we're gonna get a we're actually playing a out. game
3: where we try to time it like when you're going to do it
1: <laughs> so it, like normally is it what 12 minutes before the
3: top of the hour or 10 where am I at it's usually about 12 to 14 15 if we're 14. lucky yeah
1: Okay. All right. Uh, and you set the over under like 12 and a half minutes? Oh, no.
3: Usually it's like I'll say, hey, uh, Jimmy, a wide up's coming here in like a minute or so. And then if a minute goes by, then he wins. So it's kind of just like one of those deals.
1: Yep. You know, Eddie, let's work the system over here. Okay. <laughs> sucker sucker, Jimmy into a bet and just coordinate with me and we'll split the profit. All right. How does that sound? Sounds good okay. to me. Let's, let's do that next time. All right. You didn't hear any of that, Jimmy. No, you didn't hear no any clue. of that. Are you getting fired up for the Indy 500, Jimmy? Absolutely, I'm stoked.
2: We're counting down the days. We got Carb Day tomorrow. You can finally see it on the horizon. Uh, unfortunately, the way my brain works is the closer we get to something exciting, I'm sometimes like, "Man, we're just a couple days away from the greatest spectacle in racing." And the day after that, all the decorations going to come down, and it's 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 tough. That's, <laughs> really? what, that's what that's what my brain works. I forget to enjoy for just a moment until the race actually arrives. I, I get too caught up in the fact that oh well these. These racing wheels that are here in studio are not going to be up very much longer. So that's, That is
1: funny. I know. You know, you said I had a negative mindset when I was thinking about betting against <laughs> golfers in the PGA Championship. Still You're awesome. thinking about the decorations coming yeah, down after the Indy 500 instead of the actual race. I know. Wow. Can't help we myself. need to get you on a couch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> dissect what's going on over here. We'll have Joseph Newgarden who is a Team Penske IndyCar driver. He'll be on the show at 12.45 today. Very much looking forward to that. And also more IndyCar talk. Connor Daly, he'll be on at 2.30, part of Ed Carpenter Racing, Indiana boy. I always think of, uh, what is it, uh, Tom Petty, the lyric, uh, them Indiana boys, boys on, on them Indiana, Indiana nights. nights. That's yep. right, yeah, yep. just flashed into my head right there. So there you go. You get Connor Daly and you get... Um, you know, some uh, lyrics from old Tom Petty, <laughs> two for one, two for one Thursday. <laughs> it's a heck of a way to start the show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. But uh, very fired up. Uh, I'll be there. I'm looking forward to this. I've gone a couple of times. Uh, one was rained out. I can't re- Man, it's it's funny, man. When I was a kid, I can remember things really, really well, like crystal clear. Now it's a little foggier. I just remember one year I might have gone there Sunday and Monday And it was just rain, 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 rain. Um, But the other times that I got there, good races, fun races. Looking forward to this one. How's the weather supposed to be, Jimmy? Do you know if it's good on Sunday?
3: Talking about low 80s, no humidity. It's going to be a glorious, glorious Sunday.
1: Look at that. Very much looking forward to that. Um, You know, I mentioned betting against golfers. This is probably poorly timed, because this is the feel-good story, not just of the golf world, but of the sports world right now. This guy, Michael Block. Mm -hmm. So the club pro, he had the hole-in-one at the PGA Championship. He tied for 15th, so he qualifies for next year's PGA Championship. And he was invited to the tournament that begins today, which is the Charles Schwab Challenge. And uh, just an awesome story. He rose over 3,000 spots in the world golf rankings, Jimmy. That is unbelievable. He went from 3,580 to 577. Who keeps track of this stuff? Who keeps track of almost 4,000 golfers and what the rankings are? I'll be honest. My
2: knowledge of golf rankings is very ignorant to the point that I figured, okay, it's probably like a – Top 100 in the world, or maybe a top 250 even. Uh, I have no idea, Brian. I have no idea who would be in charge of keeping track of that. How you would gauge exactly the the weighted system for what gets you a big boost? Top 15 in a major clearly going to do that with block, but I have no clue. I've, I in fact, I had no idea that the ranking system went that deep prior to reading that article just a couple days ago.
1: Man, those are some. Deep rankings. I had no idea either. When they said he rose 3,000 spots, I was like, what? <laughs> what? Um, and, yeah, he tees off today at 128. Can we bet against him? Is it wrong to bet against Michael Block? Huh? man
2: you're talking him up and i thought like i didn't know which way this is gonna go part of me thought maybe it's like oh this michael block guy he's enjoying his 15 minutes of fame but this thing's <laughs> over soon i still didn't have him in the cards so you got me again is there a way to maybe bet against this guy i i don't know i didn't know that i didn't know the art of betting against golfers prior to our conversation a couple weeks ago so if anybody could find it I bet you can, Brian.
1: <laughs> He's going to turn into a pumpkin soon. You know, I know it's a feel good story, and that's, that's great. I'm not rooting against him unless I'm betting against him. If you can find me a line, I'll take the under. Well, the over, I guess, if it's golf. You know, I don't know. It's kind of a. Uh, that's kind of a brain uh, tease right there but uh uh, how about this this is to keep it positive and it is it's an awesome story this is like movie script type stuff it really is that's not going over the top it's crazy and this was michael block receiving the call to get an exemption for the tournament that starts today check this out hello michael yes this is michael tell the tournament director hey what's going on michael Great week, my friend. Congratulations.
4: Don't tell me what you're going to tell me, because if you tell me,
2: I'm going to start crying right now, man.
1: I am going to tell you what I'm about to tell you. We would love for you to come play in our golf tournament, and we have an exemption available, and we'd love for you to be in Fort Worth this week. And I'm with the, hair, the hair on my arms is standing up too. <laughs>
0: so just take a deep breath. But there's no better person for this last exemption.
5: To
4: go to you. Uh, michael i haven't met you yet uh and i can't thank you enough for this opportunity um if you could uh, talk to my boss real quick um and tell him that uh <laughs> i yeah. i won't be at work next
1: week is that okay matt
3: yeah it's fine. okay okay good i'm good i'm good <laughs>
1: <laughs> i think i heard uh, subtly a holy crap did, did you hear the same mm-hmm. thing yeah yep. yeah that's what i that's what I thought I heard right there. I'm just <laughs> glad it wasn't the other one. Yeah. I, I, w- I would have missed that one. Definitely. Holy crud? <laughs> you well know, done. that's what Dan- well Daniel Jeremiah threw out there. He threw out a holy crud, the draft analyst. He goes, holy crud. I thought that was holy crap, is what I thought.
2: A lot of emotions know. running high, as you would expect, just a handful of hours removed from a wild, wild Sunday at Oak Hill for Michael Block.
1: Yeah. Yeah, let's listen clo- closely to the holy crap here. This week. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It might have been an oh crap. I don't know, Either way, it was. You think uh, it was his boss saying, man, I was really
2: hoping to cash in on these extra lessons that were going to be coming our way. <laughs> we got to wait another week now.
1: I think it's his <laughs> wife. I think it's Michael Block's wife. Let's listen one more time here. This week. Yeah, yeah, I think it's an oh, crap. Team crap over team crud right there, if you're scoring you at home. But, uh, oh, it's definitely that? crap, yeah. yeah. He yep. got a congratulatory text from Michael Jordan. I saw that, too. And he mentioned, somebody told him, like, hey, MJ texted you, and he was like, what? And so he started scrolling through all of his texts, and he's getting a ton of them, and went and saw where MJ texted him and then hit him back. That would probably be a moment of panic, I would imagine, of somebody else telling you, like, hey, did you uh, text MJ back? And you're like, I didn't know he texted me in the first place. And they just fur- feverishly, you know, scrolled through his text to get back at him.
2: Not that Michael Block needs more from this story, but as I was reading that particular piece about Michael Jordan reaching out to him, and the fact that he was wearing Jordans on the course, I was a little disappointed. It didn't end with he signed a one-year deal with uh, the Jordan brand. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 I'm a little disappointed that's not how that story ended, but still really cool all the same.
1: What if MJ was like, "I'm gonna see, I'm gonna need to see more before there's a, an offer officially here. It's a great run, but are you a one-weekend wonder? I don't. That would be MJ style if yeah, anybody no were doubt. to do it. No yeah. doubt about it. Absolutely. Brian, No, and Jimmy Cook with you here on 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. We got hoops tonight, Jimmy. We had a night off last night. It's kind of weird. I don't know what to do. I'm used to NBA games every single night, but the Lakers, they couldn't win one game. So they got swept. Nothing last night, but we get the Eastern Conference Finals tonight. Boston won game four. Finally, they won a game. Do they have some momentum heading into game five? No Gabe Vincent for the Miami Heat. He's got an ankle injury and I was thinking right before the show, you know the slogan next man up Did the heat just say (laughs) next undrafted man up. Is that what they do? They just plug and play a new undrafted guy. But I mean, you start to see the momentum Boston heavy favorites, eight point favorites tonight, Jimmy.
2: So I was joking about this yesterday that the whole Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, yeah, everybody else don't stealing from the Red Sox. One. Don't let us get one. Yep. Better put us away tonight. And like I, I love that because that's always like whatever in, in circles of my life. Even as a Yankees fan, whenever a team that I care about is down, like I just love the comedy of that. The idea that you could be on the mat and still have somebody within your clubhouse that's like, hey, don't let us get one, and then it turns into a rallying cry. I'm not saying we're there, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that Charles Barkley was that far off after game four that things got interesting. Like Miami has an opportunity once again to put them away, albeit this time in the garden. And if this thing goes back to South Beach, that's a game seven for Miami. Like all bets are off at that point. So... I don't want to fully put the cart before the horse when it's still a 3-1 deficit, but losing yet another player in this heat rotation even though they're only going to go as far as Jimmy Butler and Bam bio can really carry them is still an eyebrow raiser for what could potentially send things back to Miami for game 6. In fact, I think it will. I think it does go back to South Beach for a sixth game here on Saturday.
1: Isn't it crazy how one win <laughs> shifts the thinking so much? Yeah. Because Miami got out to a 3-0 series lead. In game three, they won by 26 points. Jimmy, that is the largest win by an eight seed (laughs) since seeding began in 1984. Boat race in game three. And I was saying the same thing you were. Where Marcus Smart, don't let us get one. Jalen Brown, don't let us get one. It's like, you guys just quit and rolled over like dogs in game three.
2: Like, it's great you guys watch four days in October. That's awesome. Yeah, but where, I know, where right? were you in like, game three?
1: Don't let us get one. <laughs> okay, Celtics. All right, look out. Don't let them have any hope whatsoever. And now, they won game four, impressively, mm-hmm. in Miami. And you start thinking, well, if this goes seven, they've got... Boston has two more games at home. They get five and seven at home. You just have to win a road game in Miami. I'll say this, Jimmy, because I'm like you. I'm not there yet. But if you're looking for a recipe for the first ever 3-0 comeback in NBA history, it would probably involve an eight seed with seven undrafted guys. Mm -hmm. If it were to happen, this is a good spot for it to happen.
2: We were discussing that when we were comparing both Denver and LA and Boston and Miami when it was officially 3-0 earlier in the week, and the thought was, yeah, it's probably Boston that has the better chance to come back and win the series because of the fact that you just laid that out. It's a you know eight-seed matchup uh, against a high-level two-seed, and you're hoping that perhaps Boston is able to ride their star power, wake up, and make a series out of this. Again, it's only one game. To this point, they've done that, but... <laughs> it shifts very quickly from just a rallying cry to the question I posed to you last week. At what point does Tyler Hero's absence get felt? So far, mm-hmm. it hasn't. Take out Gabe Vincent, and you combine it now down two guards within this Heat lineup, and I know they already lost Victor Oladipo, but with where he was with in terms of contributions to this team and his injury history, th- that's not as big a factor as losing Tyler Hero and losing Gabe Vincent. Now we're at a point where... Here's the issue. I would be right here banging on the desk saying Boston's going to come back and win this series, if not for the fact they've laid down so many times within this postseason. Like, I can't get that. Even though they won that series, I can't get that game three or game four, whatever it was, out of my mouth of Philadelphia absolutely pounding them to extend that series as it went and looked like they were going to be in the driver's seat to bounce them out of the playoffs. So that's why I'm not putting the cart before the horse, because even though it is set up right now, an injury gift to the Boston Celtics, They have still been so maddeningly inconsistent at times this postseason that even with everything we've laid out, I'm still picking them to win and force a game six. I just can't go as far to say they're going to come back and actually complete the 3-0 comeback.
1: Yeah, Boston's been goofy. That's the thing is you go back to that Philly series. Boston had game five at home Mm -hmm. and they got freaking rocked. And you're like, oh my gosh. (laughs) And they were down like scarily down in game six and Jason Tatum couldn't hit a bucket to save his life the first three quarters and they just found his game in the fourth quarter scored 16 points outscored Philly in the fourth quarter of game six by himself so Boston's just been totally goofy the thing that I find interesting about this is we're seeing role reversal here Jimmy because at the beginning of the series Miami was a huge underdog massive underdog even when they took a two-o series lead, ESPN analytics gave Boston a sixty-five percent chance to still win the series. It was it sixty one when they went up
2: three oh? Like <laughs> it was it was it's insanity. It's now there's flaws with BPI no and we discussed that because they go off of a little bit of like win or point margin and point differential from the regular season and the postseason. So that's why those numbers were inflated the way they are, but still. 20 of people ran with that headline of what what is ESPN analytics doing here? 61% chance for the Celtics. Well, it's <laughs> it's based on a wonky metric for for two relatively wonky teams that are one of them are going to represent the Eastern
1: Conference against the waiting Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic out west. Man, that wonky metric, you got to throw that in the river. Yeah. That thing is Put it out to pasture, man. You know, old, old yeller, that thing. Unless you're, <laughs>
2: unless you're Boston. Then you're apparently hanging up everywhere next to Kevin Malar and you have that <laughs> just side by side.
1: <laughs> but that's the thing is when, I don't care, but put ESPN garbage analytics to the side, right? When, when Miami took a 3-0 series lead, they were a huge favorite to win the series. We've never seen a comeback in NBA history from a 3-0 series deficit. It's 150 and 0 mm-hmm. the teams that led 3 0. So Miami became the huge favorite. So we've got role reversal here where Boston became Miami, really. Boston became the huge underdog and they finally did something good <laughs> in game four. They won a game and they won convincingly. So they still are overwhelming underdogs being down 3 1 in this series right here. So I want to see what that does. Where Boston, they don't have that weight of being the favorite anymore. Now they're the underdogs. There's weight on the Miami Heat now. At least the role changing where they've gone from underdog to the clear favorites here. I want to see how they respond to that.
2: I'm equally as intrigued in part because from a betting perspective, we talk about looking for an angle and I'm going to give away a play of the day as it stands Ooh, right like now
3: give we're giving away old. an early one i know oh. i know do I, a, ha- do I need to hit the sound an unprecedented territory i do think I need you to should Why
1: not? a little early yeah what if someone's at lunch and they only catch the 12 o'clock hour and they never hear the sounder that's just sad right there go ahead the jay cook plays of the day
6: this is me all right i'm not a athlete this is my way this is how i went.
2: i broke my own trend last time, and that was betting underdogs in this series with the points, because the underdogs have won every game to this point in this series. It was only a one to one and a half point spread, and I took Miami as the home favorites last time out. This time I'm going to take the Boston Celtics. I'm going to take them... Or sorry, I apologize. I got I got too caught up in myself. Okay, rewind the tape. We're gonna take the Boston. We're gonna take the Miami Heat. Almost did it again. Scoop the eight. We're gonna yeah. take the Miami Heat as the underdog with the points. I'm not saying the Heat went out right today, but I do think much like every one of these games, Miami is going to either be around or be there with a the lead. That eight point cushion is going to be enough. Scoop the eight for the Miami Heat tonight in this must win for the Boston Celtics. Take
1: you know one. I like where you're coming from on that, despite the little you know. Mental flub right there. But it happens. It happens I got to me all the time. I, got, I heard
2: the music early. I was looking at a clock like, are we in trouble? It's it's whole thing.
1: It was funny because you're like, uh, it's been the right way to go about it. Take the points in this series. That's why I'm going Boston. And I was like, wait, what? You had me until it. But no, I hear you. And Scoop think about eight. this. Scoop the Scoop eight. Scoop the eight. Folks. Think about Miami. This is one of the things I point out to back what you're saying here. If you're going to go with Jimmy's advice and take the eight points, go with the underdog heat tonight. They've been greedy. And I mean this as a compliment. They've been greedy during this postseason and especially this series where I think after they won game one, they're losing by almost 10 points with about six minutes to go in game two. And they could have easily said, you know what? It's not our night. We got the split on the road. That's what we wanted to do. So let's get geared up for game three. And they just kept fighting, man. They're like zombies. They are like zombies that keep coming after you. And I don't look at them giving anything away tonight. They might get beat, but they're going to compete. And they're not going to look toward game six. They're going to try to end it tonight. So that would be my argument if you're going to go with the eight. Taking the eight with Miami right there. They don't give anything away. You
2: know how in the past, and even though I admitted it was inadvertent, I just skipped across it, but you're always curious for the juice that's there or what I'm laying, particularly when I take a money line straight up selection like you always want to know hey what is it jimmy's a minus oh yeah yeah, sure yeah so i want to get your thoughts on this because there is a couple of different analysts on a couple sites i go to but when i go to uh just for like models and just in general their simulations is sports line and every now and again i'll take a glimpse to see what their experts are throwing out there one of their players references you won't see me play a big money line favorite very often but I like this spot for the Celtics. Ooh. At the time he got in it's -305 -300 right now on DraftKings. Ooh. So I ask you Brian, no, your level of intrigue Ooh. on a play like that. I, you know, mm. this was done at 10:38. They referenced the Gabe Vincent injury as part of the reason why they Made this selection. Look for Jason Tatum to take over as the self-extended series.
1: You know, listen. I'm not always against a play like this. You see this in the fight game a lot. You might see a minus 300 favorite. And you're like, if the other guy wins, I'll just take the L. Because I don't see it happening at all. You know? I could see Miami winning outright with the way this series has gone. I just... I don't love the play. It could be the right side. It could win you money the odds are that it will but man when you've got Boston goofy at home during this postseason lost both games at home to begin this series to Miami no I would not be looking to go big on minus 300 Boston outright
3: remember when everyone wrote off Miami when they did not have Jimmy Butler against the Milwaukee Bucks yep Mm mm-hmm I just get, I get those vibes again, but to me, Brian, with you mentioning how bad Boston has played in those two, those first two games at home, it's like I don't think they can do it for a third time. Like at mm-hmm. some point, water will find its level, and I think that's where we're at with this series because just how bad Jalen Brown and some of the three-point shooters were for Boston through the first three games. I think water is going to start finding its level again and I would expect a big number from Boston tonight because there's no Gabe Vincent uh, and that, the large part of that is because of his defense that he's able to apply on Marcus Smart on ball to prevent him from getting downhill toward the basket so if I'm you know kind of foreshadowing here for a little bit later in, later in the day, I can, I'm not going to hit the sounder again. It sounds but, uh, like you're oh. betting
2: against me here. You, uh, you going gonna to lay the eight? For the no. In the money. Ay, 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 ay.
3: No, we're going to be in the money here with some Marcus uh, Smart action.
2: Okay, okay. I didn't know. Perhaps you said big number for the Celtics. I thought maybe you were you were fading Jay Cook, which has been your trend a uh, little bit lately. So I didn't know <laughs> the, maybe that was the play. Jay Cook yes. model.
1: Yeah, yeah. No. yeah it's a Garrison Analytics, right? Yes, there. correct. Yeah. <laughs> On um, the
3: Jay Cook sports book. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'll tell you this. I'm not discouraging all you know, outright money line plays for favorites, but there is nothing worse in betting than going with the outright favorite and laying all of that juice and it blows up in your freaking Mm -hmm. face. And you immediately think, what would I have won if I had just bet the same amount on the other team (laughs) and they were huge underdogs to win outright? Sick to your stomach. stomach. Just awful. My line... Usually is
2: the, the the furthest I will go is high one hundreds. Anything higher than that, unless it's like a like you mentioned, we're going into like a boxing ring or we're going into UFC. Right. I, I I tend to shy away or try to have a live bet play instead.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I've oof. I could tell you a couple of horror stories here, <laughs> Jay Cook. And, uh, I remember the clear as day. We talked about this a couple of episodes back where you mentioned Eric Berry the former chief Mm -hmm. safety, and when he was at school in Tennessee, he he was a stud, obviously, and Tennessee began the season at UCLA. UCLA had their third-string quarterback. I went in on the Vols, and I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) UCLA somehow (laughs) scratched out a win. Oh, just awful, Jay Cook. Like, last-second field goal for the Bruins? Terrible. rip your betting heart out right there, you know? But it happens, man. If that
2: type of juice is on the line, I'd almost rather it go south right away. The
1: the added insult to injury of a walk-off field goal is... is,
2: Yeah. But that was a brutal night in general in your camp.
1: I can't remember... uh, I cannot remember what the money line, you know, uh, betting number was. I really can't remember. But they were... Tennessee was pretty good favorites in that game. I want to say they were maybe around, like... I don't know, anywhere from like three and a half to six and a half. So it wasn't obscene, whatever the money line was right there. But in any event, we are going to shift our focus over to the Colts here momentarily, Jay Cook. Does the pursuit of prime time look any better or or does it look a little bit worse? We'll we'll dive into that. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. Keep it locked right here. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
1: I'm Brian Ngo. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. 12.45, Joseph Newgarden, Team Penske, IndyCar driver. Not going to want to miss that. We'll talk some racing. I got some bad news, Jimmy. You're sitting down, right? Usually, yeah. In this case, yes. Sitting down for this. By the way, I see the tweet from the the fan over there, and I can check you out right now. I see you right now on the stream. Look, it's a one camera right here on Jay Cook. Looks beautiful.
2: Rolling, ready to continue <laughs> through and and get this bad news out of the way because I feel like I, you know. It's something about our relationship that you always need to tell me to sit down whenever the bad news is inevitably arrives during during one of our of one of our escapades together here on the That's
1: fan. Another one of my isms right there. Yeah. I didn't realize. Um, yeah. So I was just informed, got a call off air a couple of minutes ago. I was informed that Dairy Queen is discontinuing their cherry dipped cones. Now here's the thing. I don't think I've ever had a cherry dipped cone. What's strange is, like, the last time I went to Dairy Queen, I'm like, that sounds awesome. I should probably get that. And I didn't. And now I can't. Now I can't do it anymore. And I am a huge fan, Jimmy. I don't know what your go-to is at DQ. Cherry Sunday, Chopped nuts. Almost every time for me, it's my go-to. The thing is, there are only a few glorious Dairy Queen establishments that still have cherry Sundays. Most of them don't. They've been discontinued at most of these places.
2: I'm a Oreo uh, cheesecake blizzard guy. It's usually my my go-to Oreo cheesecake, yep, little blizzard. cheesecake pieces in, in Oreo ice cream blizzard form. Uh, I've never had the cherry dip cone. I've had the chocolate dip cone, and then during the summertime, they dip it in like a like an orange creamsicle type deal. Oh. And so instead of a hardened chocolate ice cream outer shell. It's an uh, orange dreamsicle outer shell. And that is Man. phenomenal. Highly recommend.
1: That is one of my go-to snacks, Jay Cook. Get you some vanilla ice cream. I know some people look down on that, but hear me out. Oh, I love vanilla ice cream. I You're love And push back from me. Delicious. Yeah, we don't have to be eclectic all the time. Vanilla ice cream is <laughs> delectable. But you get some vanilla ice cream, whatever your brand, except for one certain brand. But Careful I, will, I will not mention uh, Get your, your brand of ice cream right there, vanilla. And then you put Orange soda. You go dreamsicle float. Jimmy, it'll change your life. It's on the list. Yes. Tremendous. Top shelf type stuff. Okay, so I was looking at the Colts and looking at their schedule. And now that it became official, where the NFL this week, the team owners, they voted on Thursday night football flex scheduling. Okay? So they will have on Thursday night flex scheduling between weeks 13 and 17. And so I did a little bit of research right before the show here, Jay Cook, leaving no stone unturned. And I'm looking at flex scheduling for the other primetime days. So for Sunday night football, weeks 5 through 10, you can flex up to two games. And the rest of the schedule, weeks 11 through 17, it's at the NFL's discretion. So basically, Sunday night football, you've got flex scheduling from weeks 5 through 17 most of the season Monday Night Football weeks 12 through 17 so as I'm looking at the Colts and I'm looking at which primetime games are scheduled right now this is the best chance to get the Colts on primetime in my opinion Jay Cook I'm looking at week 14 the Colts play at the Bengals Mm -hmm. that week
2: we highlighted that before any of this a couple weeks ago when you were
1: discussing as a potential avenue so we got a couple of choices here. We've got on Thursday night, Patriots-Steelers that might not be an awesome matchup at that point in the season. Who knows what kind of season either of those teams are going to have. You know, it is the Steelers, they're a national brand, but if the Colts somehow find lightning in a bottle... At the Bengals, maybe that's their best shot. And there is a doubleheader on Monday Night Football that week in week 14. It's Packers-Giants, which might not be a great matchup. Could be and horrific. A, very Very be.
2: well, could be very, very bad.
1: Could be. And also, Titans-Dolphins. And, you know, if... The Titans don't put Will the Thrill-Levis in there until midway through the season. Right. It could hurt their win-loss record, right?
2: I mean, at that point, you would think that the Dolphins are doing most of the heavy lifting, assuming health is fine with two and everything's great. Right? But yeah, I mean, the trajectory of that matchup, it's it almost rests on what the Titans decide to do on Will Levis. I mean, it's yeah. It's yeah, yeah. a lot, lot of tension in the air there between now and December.
1: So the odds aren't looking great. Week 14, I I don't know how awesome that Colts record is going to look at that stage of the season. If you want to look earlier in the year.
3: You mean you haven't gone game by game yet? (laughs) No, 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 (laughs) no. Had you gone game by game,
1: you'd be able to make a little estimation there, I'm not game by game guy. I'm collective guy. I'll go collective. I won't go game by game. Won't do that because I don't know the scenario of injuries and all that stuff. But if you look at week eight, how about this, Jay Cook? Colts host the Saints. Week 8, maybe maybe they start off better than we thought. The Sunday night game, Bears-Chargers. Huh? That's a candidate to be flexed out, is it not? It's the same scenario as that
2: Dolphins-Titans game where I think the Chargers are doing a ton of heavy lifting. Right now, if I was going to the Bears schedule and trying to map things out with Justin Fields, kind of hit or miss, I would probably say, yes, that's a candidate to be flexed, but also could very well turn the tide if Fields is able to make uh, you know, DJ Moore look like the next Tyreek
3: Hill. Hey, hey, hey. Now, <laughs>
1: <laughs> You know what I don't get? I, you know, spoiler alert. I doubt the Colts are going to have any games flexed into primetime. But you know what I hate, Jimmy, is all the bellyaching about flex scheduling. Like, oh, they're just bowing down to Amazon and oh, it's not great for the players. Are, are you a player? Or are you a fan? (laughs) Are you a viewer? Because I'm a fan. I'm not in the NFL. I want the best possible game, the best matchup possible. This is smart by the NFL. It's not dumb.
2: Not enough time in this segment to counter or dive into that. (laughs) Partially agree with you, but there's another angle that I think you might agree with me on.
1: Okay. All right. We'll circle back to that. Hey, top of the hour, Casey Vallier. We'll talk some Colts with him, but coming up next... We've got Joseph Newgarden, Team Penske IndyCar driver. He will join us coming up. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
1: I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. We'll get to Joseph Newgarden here momentarily. By the way, he's a Team Penske IndyCar driver. How do you think Roger Penske is in real life, Jimmy? What do you think?
2: I don't know. It's a great question. I I would assume in terms of whether it's drivers within his own camp or whether it's drivers in general, if you were to ask him or pen his mind, I would like to think that he would be very open and helpful in that regard. But I don't know. I never
1: had the pleasure. What do you think? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm really curious what he's like in general. Just little things, you know. Is you he- can you can tell there, there's passion and
2: love there, especially because him, you know, taking over in general IMS and the IndyCar circuit. Like he really values and cares about the history of not only this event but the sport as a whole. So yeah. we at least have that to go off of.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll find out from Joseph Newgarden here. He joins us here, Team Penske, IndyCar driver. Uh, Joseph, welcome in. Good afternoon. Uh, just random question. has nothing to do with the Indy 500. Are you a fan of 1%, 2%, or skim milk? Oh, I mean, I'm a whole milk guy, but if it's between that, <laughs> i 2%. You go, okay, so 2% if, uh, if you're victorious. Is that what the choice would be for you? No, I mean well, I I don't know if you said whole or not, but I'm definitely whole milk. I want the the real deal. You want whole milk. I like that. Yeah, so my bad. I thought it used to be skim milk. Now they've gone whole milk at Indy, is that right? Yeah, so you I mean you definitely get your pick. Every year you got to fill out your card and it's interesting.
4: There's I think there's only one person that's filled out skim. I don't even know who it is, but <laughs> it's, it's very rare to put that.
1: That's funny, man. How do you feel heading into the race, Joseph, just in terms of practice, qualifying, everything that's gone into getting ready for race day here?
4: Yeah, I feel great. You know, it's a big build-up, obviously. Uh, you know, the ninety five hundred is so special, as everybody in Indianapolis, Indiana knows. Um, and it's great, you know, to, to finally be getting to this final stretch. I feel like we're getting really close now, and, and we are, and, um, you know, it, it's kind of that point of the week where I just want to go do it. You know, we've been here a lot, and practicing qualified for the event and you know now it's time for the the main event and that's the best part you know that's what we work towards
2: Joseph I'm also going to go off track with a question for a second uh, I've been told and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this that perhaps you were among the participant in the uh, epic pickleball tournament that's taken place over the last uh, couple of days if that is the case uh, who were you partnered up with was it just solo for you and how did you feel about how all that played out
4: There was a bunch of pickleball that was uh, going down here at the track. You know, we always try and uh, get into something to stay, um, you know, stay sane, I guess, if you will, um, throughout all the time. We're just we're li- we're literally living here. We're living at the track for two and a half weeks, and I was teamed up with uh, Alex Pelot, pole winner. So we were <laughs> we were team belief. <laughs> um, we just started. I literally just learned how to play pickleball three days ago, and it's super fun. Everybody got involved. And, uh, yeah, we, we didn't make it to the final, unfortunately, but uh, it, was, it was pretty fun getting the whole, whole paddock engaged
1: here. How about this deal, 100 Days to Indy? It's a docu-series. It's six parts. And similar to Drive to Survive, the F1 series, it's 10 episodes per season. But this thing that you're doing with Elio Castroneves, can you give us some details on that thing?
4: Yeah, it's been great. You know, so it's, uh, as you said, 100 days to Indy. It's been on the CW. Um, it's it's in conjunction with Vice, who's filming it, and it's it's been great to I think show a different side of the series that maybe people weren't exposed to in the past. You know, obviously, if you're a motorsports fan, I think IndyCar is an easy win. Um, you know, to me, it's the most competitive motorsports product out there on the market and and we love it for for that reason but there's a lot more to it you know i think people are interested in the the human side of the sport you know what goes on behind the scenes outside of just what you see on track and that's what you're getting very similar like you said to drive to survive on you're getting a little bit uh, of a more in-depth view of the the whole picture of who you know who the people are in indycar um you know how this whole thing kind of comes you know comes together every weekend to run a race especially this this big event it, so the documentary really films from the beginning of the season all the way to the build-up to the 500 on race day. It's filmed like real-time, literally what they're filming this week, and for the 500, it's going to come out next week. So it's a pretty crazy turnaround on schedule, but you know it's been great just to, to give people that alternate perspective.
2: Justin Newgarden here with us on the Fan Midday Show of Team Penske. Joseph, when you look back at your first start in 2012 to now, this will be your twelfth start for the greatest spectacle in racing. What's the biggest thing about your approach or about your routine or just how you attack the oval that has changed over that time?
4: Oh, uh, so it's just so challenging. You know, this obviously we get one shot at this race every year, and that's what makes it such a, a pressure-filled event. Just because it it is a big deal. You know, you, you spend a lot of time here at Indy leading up to it. I think just managing your you know your energy level, your schedule throughout the two and a half weeks is really critical. It, it sounds like that'd be easy, but when you when you really get involved in this and you're, you know, building to race day, it's it's easy to just, you know, be burned out by the time you get to the actual race. So uh, that's one thing you get better at when you when you do it enough times, you figure out, all right, how, how am I going to actually pace myself so I'm not completely mentally and physically worn out by the time we just actually get to the race? Um, so that always gets a little bit better, I find, each, each and every year.
1: What other drivers have you been impressed with, Joseph, leading up to the race, whether it's practice, qualifying, where you say, man, they got it cranked up right now? Dude, it's hard
4: to say. You know, no one's a standout in this series right now. Um, I mean, I think, you know, we're going to be in a good spot. I I, got to believe that. Um, You know, how how can I not feel confident in what we're going to do in the two car, but you know, it's, you can't single anybody out in our championship. You just absolutely can't. You don't know what's going to happen in these races. It's not even a marketing line. Like, it's it's reality. We show up every week, and there's been five different winners of five different races to start the year. So if you think you can predict who you think is going to be good or, if you, you know, whoever you think is going to be a lock, I guarantee you, it, more times than not, it's not going to work out. So... <laughs> That's, that's what makes it exciting. You know, I think our championship right now is so, it's so mixed up. It's so competitive. And, you know, absolutely you have favorites. You know, Chip Ganassi Racing has been strong. I think us at Team Penske were always considered a favorite. Um, but it's, it's hard to list anyone out specifically. So, you know, if you're in one of those, those pools where everybody's drawing a driver, it, pretty much anyone in the field can work out. So you, you can feel confident that you've got a shot with, with anybody's name that you pull.
2: All that said, we've yet to make our selections for Sunday. Why should we hitch our wagon to Team Penske and Joseph Newgard in the two car?
4: Well, look, I always feel confident. You know, I, I feel like we've got we've got the team to, to make it happen. Uh, team Penske has won in eighteen Indianapolis five hundreds, which is more than anybody by a mile. So they know how to get the job done. I've never won one, so for me it's it would be a very big deal to try and feel the you know, finally Seal a win, um, but I I think we've got the team. I think we've got the car. You know, we've just got to execute a good race. So anything can happen. I've seen it. I've seen it many, many times
1: um, up to this point, but I feel confident, you know, we can execute when it really counts. I got to know what Roger Penske is like uh, away from the racetrack, just in general. Is he serious all the time? Is he happy-go-lucky? Is he cracking jokes? What's Roger Penske like?
4: Oh, Roger's, Roger's amazing. He's just uh, he's a, a lovely human being as you can imagine um, he's one of the nicest most considerate people I've ever met he's he's all business for the most part you know even away from the track he's he's always thinking about you know what, what are we going to do to be better in all areas not just at the track but with with the, the entire Penske group um, but he does he loosens up every now and then he's he's great to you know catch up with he's like I said he's very considerate he's always trying to you know hear about your family and what's going on and if you need anything so he's just a lovely human being one of the best people i think you could work for and uh yeah he's all business but but he has a little bit of fun every now and then it's just very rare
1: you know, I'm curious, Joseph, because, uh, you know, like sometimes when you do a radio show, you say things that you normally wouldn't say, or you say it in a different way where you get like the, hey, what's going on, everybody? It's like, you don't talk like that. And I'm just curious, doing the 100 Days to Indie, when you've got a, a camera on you a lot, have you felt like you've done anything differently at all, or is it just business as usual for you? Yeah, not yet. It's, they've been very
4: fly on the wall, super respectful. Um, You know, I struggle with it. I I don't like the cameras around, but we're we're sort of used to it at this point. You know, just adding another camera crew really wasn't a big distraction. So I wouldn't say it's been different. I I think that's been the nice thing about the show. I've really only seen the first episode up to this point, Um, but I felt like there was nothing that was twisted or that was you know constructed in a way to make you you know feel differently. I felt like it was really authentic what they were filming, which is great. Which is exactly what they wanted to capture was just. They wanted to, to see what the process was like to be in the series, you know, what people are like at home, et cetera. And no, I've not had any of those moments yet, so it's all been pretty smooth.
1: That's great, man. Well, hey, we'll be watching you on Sunday. Very much looking forward to it, and hope you have a great ride, man. Thanks for the time today, for sure. All right. Enjoy the race. See ya. Absolutely. You too. There he is, Joseph Newgarden, Team Penske IndyCar driver. How do you get down, Jay Cook? One percent, two percent, whole milk. You, usually, usually two
2: percent or vitamin D. Usually, you. you vitamin D. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Usually two percent. I think that's what we had growing up. Like I, I, not a ton of whole
1: milk guy. Like I've had whole milk. It's 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 very good. But uh, yeah, probably the two percent route. What, what about you? I'm deep in the two percent game. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Now, do you say milk? It almost sounded like you said milk. It's one of those where it's I, I interchange all the time. Sometimes it'll
2: be milk. Sometimes it'll be milk. It just it just depends on how it's rolling off the tongue. I know, <laughs> not not quite not quite at the level of like I have a firm stance on like tomato, tomato type deal. Right? It's tomato, but it, it just all depends. And you never know, you never know which way it's rolling.
1: I like that, you know. I like that you're kind of a switch hitter with words. Try try to try to try, try to try to mix it up every now and again. Yeah. Keep people guessing. That works. It's <laughs> Fine. Hey, coming up next, we'll turn our attention to the Colts. Casey Valier. He'll join us. Let's break it on down. I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 935 and 1075 the fan. I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook here on the fan. I wanna welcome in Casey Valier. Radio coordinator, in-game studio host for the Colts. You know, Casey, most of this interview, obviously, is going to be about the Colts, but it's not in season right now. So I'm just curious, as a sports fan, what do you indulge in this time of year?
6: Oh, man, what a loaded question, because you're right, I'm a sports (laughs) fan. But you talk about this time of year, being from Indianapolis... It is all IndyCar for me. I mean, you got Leonard Skinner, who I remember playing Carve Day a handful of years ago, bringing me back. So, yeah, right now it is all Indy 500, so I'm gearing up for this weekend. So that's where my attention is right now. You know, I dabble a little bit in college, college baseball just because I have a baseball background, hmm. but it's kind of more family time. So maybe sports kind of take a little bit of a back burner right now.
1: Yeah. yeah it's a good time to be like, hey – uh Oh, you're my son still, right? Like You, you reconnect with the family this time of right. year, I feel oh, like. Oh, absolutely. I forgot I had kids. Oh, yeah, hi. <laughs> Wait, remind me what your name is. I forget, we're just done with football season here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, right now, as we're at this stage, you know, late May, what are you most interested in, Colts-wise, as they get together for a, a practice here, a practice there? What do you have your eye on the most?
6: Honestly it's if my first um thing that I'm really looking at is what's different with this regime from the last you know you You can watch a million practices and every coach, every staff does it differently than than somebody else. So that's kind of what I'm watching. So I was out there for about a half hour until I, you know, popped inside to do this. Um, And and the way that they're doing their drills, it seems just different from when Frank Reich was here and they were doing all that stuff. So that stuff is kind of cool for me to watch just to see how, you know, instead of doing this in this drill, they're doing it this way. So that kind of stuff there, but it's all about what's going on with quarterback. That's, That's always what we're going to be watching. You know, I want to see how the ball comes out of his hand now compared to watching it on tape. I want to see how big Anthony Richardson looks. You know, Gardner Minshew, he's probably right now looked at as the guy to start everything, get everything rolling as we head towards camp and everything. So see how he is kind of handling the offense so it's all offensive-based. Um, that's kind of where my attention is, and just kind of seeing how they do these drills, because right now you're not you're not going to see you know 11-on-11 11 11 full contact, any of that. You're going to mm-hmm. get a little bit of 11-on-11 11 11 drills, but you're not going to be able to get a good idea of what everything's going to look like. So it's almost kind of taking in everything else around it.
2: Casey, I know Anthony Richardson changes everything with this question, but in terms of how you're evaluating the rest of the rookies with the – combination of like Brian alluded to this new regime how are you evaluating if at all any differently this rookie class compared to years past with the organization
0: yeah
6: that's that's a great question because you're you're absolutely right i mean it's all eyes if you turn on NFL network. You talk about the Colts, the first thing you mention is Anthony Richardson and what he's gonna do and all of that. Um but but there are a lot of a lot of question marks when you look at what this team did a year ago and the positions that they drafted and addressed. So, you know, my biggest concern heading into this season was what they're gonna do at corner. And they addressed it in, in the big form in, in the draft and drafting three cornerbacks and you also took a safety, too. So you've got four new defensive backs to come in, and essentially you're going to be asking a lot of them because you lose guys like Stephon Gilmore, Brandon Faison, and you really didn't add anything in free agency. So I'm really going to be viewing this class kind of with the quarterback and probably his relationship with guys like Josh Downs, who you're going to see you know, what, what that's going to look like as rookies, but mainly Juju Brents highlighting that cornerback room, kind of what those young guys do to really – make a name because they're going to be, I think, asked to do a lot as rookies in this defensive scheme just because of pure numbers and depth. There's going to be a lot of weight put on those guys' shoulders for sure.
1: Do you think Casey that with Anthony Richardson being the number four overall pick, high-profile guy, there's going to be so much focus on an, and attention on him? Do you think that could take some of the spotlight off in a good way? Some of the other rookies like Josh Downs, you mentioned Juju Brents, right there, where they're not on center stage and they might be able to ease in a little bit better. Would you buy that? One hundred percent. I
6: think I, I, you guys, you guys cover sports, you know athletes, you know how they all kind of tick and one of the things you're always looking for is kind of that chip on your shoulder. So all of these guys would probably prefer to get the attention like an Anthony Richardson is. I mean, for me, I want people to talk about how great I am at this. And all, You know, you always have an ego. So these guys are probably looking at it as, oh, well, you're going to overlook me. Watch what I'm going to do. And I'm not saying that as, like, we should be talking more about all these guys, because it's understandable. You're taken fourth overall. You are kind of viewed to be the franchise. I mean, you, you are it. So it's understandable that that is the conversation, but it definitely I think takes a little bit of weight off some of these guys for you just to go out and play. You know, just go out and do your thing, and it, it may go under the radar until it gets to that point where like, why well, we can't not acknowledge what this guy is doing, and that's probably a good way to view it. I would ag- I would agree with your, your sentiment,
2: Casey. What if anything are you looking at? most critically both through OTAs and the rest of this offseason along the Colts offensive line knowing the expectations for for Tony Sperano Jr and his staff in trying to rework this group maybe not to the levels they were a couple years ago but definitely you would think a immense improvement from what you had a season ago.
6: Yeah, I mean I think that is if you ask me that's the most important feature of this team for success, especially this year, but moving forward. You have to be able to lay that groundwork. You hear from Chris Ballard, he wants to build a team within the trenches, both offensive and defensive line. The offensive line, you've got a lot of money tied up. It's it's well-documented how much money you've got between guys like Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, and Braden Smith. And, you know, there's still a lot of question marks, but it's one of those things that maybe a new voice is going to really kind of get everybody geared up a little bit more, not saying that they they needed to hear it, but sometimes just hearing things a little differently or or looking at it a new way kind of helps spur something new. And what you saw last year, and one of the things that I heard Ryan Kelly say early on was it wasn't like when you watch the tape, it was all bad. It was just, there's a handful of things you highlight when one guy was bad. Hopefully you have someone to pick him up. And it was like all five of them were off sync. And that's where what you saw kind of happen last year, offensive line struggles kind of took place. It was just all five were off sync. And that just makes for a really, really tough way to kind of, you know, attack a defense. I think that is the key. It is getting these guys to just go back and believe, trust one another. I mean, when you look at Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, and Braden Smith, they played a lot of snaps together. So if you can get that three working in unison, I think that is the most important thing. Bernard Ryman, I wouldn't say you can pencil him in Sharpie as the guy at left tackle, but he's definitely got a little bit of leg up on everybody else. So getting him in with, you know, working next to Quentin Nelson on a day-to-day basis right now like he didn't do last year. You know, last year it was inserted in the middle of the year, and it's, you know, you kind of baptism by fire if you will so right now it's it's really important that those guys kind of just be in sync and that is the biggest thing that i think tony sperano jr is kind of telling all these guys and if you if you meet tony sperano jr i mean this guy just lives and breathes offensive line it makes sense that he's the o-line coach because he almost looks like you can put some pads on him and he can get out there and line up too so he's just bringing a new voice and he's just kind of Re, you're letting these guys know. Hey, look, you guys have played a lot of good football together. Let's just
1: get back to that. Man, it's crazy that Tony Sperano Jr. is 36 years old. I feel so much older right now.
6: <laughs> I feel the same way. When he came in, I was like, Wait a minute, how is this even possible? And I like, to, I mean, I'm I'm 33. I'm not saying I'm like old by any means, but I've been following this sport for a long time, so I completely
1: understand what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. He's Casey Valier. Radio coordinator, in-game studio host for the Colts joining us here on The Fan. Casey, you mentioned how just little subtle things might look different with this regime compared to the Frank Reich regime in practice. And it might be something real small. It might be football geeky, but what is something that has stood out to you where you're like, oh, that's interesting, that's different? Yeah,
6: that's that's a really good question just because we we haven't seen a whole bunch of it so honestly all of it is new right now so I can't just pinpoint one of the things but I just feel like just the way that practice is kind of laid out at this point now this is it's I would I would go out on a limb and say this is probably not reminiscent of what it's going to look like when August rolls around but it's just kind of getting everybody into it it just seems I don't know, part of I mean, you want to talk about a little thing. The soundtrack's a lot different than what we heard with Frank Reich. I, I, it's like, right now I heard four songs from when I was in high school. I was like, hey, I know this song. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, I don't consider myself hip at all, but I'm like actually <laughs> singing the songs while I'm standing out there. I was like, well, this is different. So just little things like that that I'm sure I'm going to learn as we get through it. But that's what, I mean, really, I'm just kind of... I mean, we're all infatuated by watching Anthony Richardson run routes and throw throw the football. So, you know, watching him throw a seven-yard pass, like, wow, did you see how fast that came out? So that's kind of what our eyes are on right now for sure.
2: Casey, earlier this week or over the last couple of weeks, the Colts made a move to sign free agent tight end Caden Smith, and it makes that tight end room that was already arguably one of the deepest in terms of personnel in there up to, I think, now seven tight ends as things stand right now. Uh, What type of competition is going to be like within that specific room over the next couple of months?
6: I'm glad you brought that up cuz I actually was talking with uh, the voice of the Colts Matt Taylor this morning you know where it's very very early and I know we probably shouldn't be having these conversations but it's just what you do you start trying to break down what that final you know when you make the 53 what it's going to look like and you break it down by numbers and at tight end I was like you know you're probably going to have three guys active on game day but you probably are going to keep four just because of the depth that you have. And it's not only the depth that you have. You have a mixture of youth, but also guys that are experienced. I mean, one of the guys that nobody's talking about is Farrell Brown. He's in his seventh year in the NFL. He's played a lot of football. And he's kind of one of those guys that you just, they sign, you didn't even think anything of it because you got like Jelani Woods coming back, Mo'Ally Cox Tylen Granson, Drew Ogletree had a great training camp last year. You add another guy who, Caden Smith, I remember when he was coming out, he was a pretty thought of as a, a good mid-round pick at the tight end spot who can actually come in and play. So he's got some skill there. It, it is a very deep room. I'm very interested to see... And with a new regime, you aren't exactly sure how they're going to be used. But when you watch what Philadelphia did, I mean, they play a lot of tight ends when Shane Steichen was the offensive coordinator, and they do it in different ways. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what his style of tight end rim looks like. You, you know that Jelani Woods is going to be the highlight. He's the guy who had probably he's, – he's probably gives you the most – I don't know what the word is. He makes, it, he makes defensive coordinators kind of stay up at night. He's probably one of those guys on this offense that does that. So you know it's going to be highlighted by him. But it's going to be very interesting to see what that number of, of how many tight ends they keep. Because as you said, it's a very full room.
1: Casey, before you go, i got to know. If you won the Indy 500, would you choose 1%, 2%? Or whole milk, whole milk right Man, there. Man, putting me on the spot. I'd probably go with what Louis Meyer did and choose buttermilk,
6: just so I can hear Donald Davidson say the word buttermilk. <laughs> uh, no, actually, I, I'm a 1% at home, but when I grew up, I drank 2%, so... Either of those would probably be my choice. I would say one percent just because that's what we have in our fridge at home now. But that was just mainly for the kids. Just I don't, I don't know. My my wife does all the nutritional stuff, so she says one percent. That's what we buy. So probably one percent right now.
1: There you go. Hey man, Ch- uh, Casey, thank you very much for the time, man. It was a lot of fun, of and uh, hope you enjoyed the Indy 500 in the weekend.
6: Oh, I will. It's always one of my favorite weekends. It's one of those things with being an Indiana person, I really relish this time because it's it's highlighted, and, and it's one of my favorite moments. I've been going for years, so one of those things that I can't wait, that's for sure, but thanks for having me, guys. Casey,
2: by the way, you were 21 years old, if I'm doing the math right, when Leonard Skinner uh, headlined Carb Day, yeah, just to, just to put, put your right. age and back I again mean, in perspective there. <laughs> I, I'm assuming that by the time they took the stage, I was probably like every other
6: 21-year-old. I probably wasn't remembering what was happening, but I knew it was a good show.
1: <laughs> Did you yell? I think for a comedic value, if you yelled, play some Skinnerd when Skinnard right. is there, that would have been a great line. Right, you play some Skynyrd
6: or, hey, play Freebird, and he might actually do it, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely,
1: man. We'll catch you soon, Casey. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you. There he is, Casey Valier, in-game studio host for the Colts. That was a lot of fun. That was good. Yeah, right. Don't you think that'd be a funny goofy line at a Leonard Skinnerd concert where you just yell, "Play some Skinnerd!" <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's just my silly sense of humor. I don't I feel like you're trying to incorporate a way to yell Slayer,
2: but mix it in there with Leonard Skinner instead, with with that with that type of take.
1: I'm gonna work, play some Skynyrd into my general playbook going forward. I didn't know it would feel that good because you're right. Normally I'm yelling Slayer. I've never yelled play some Skinnard until today. It's off the bucket list.
2: Hey, gotta start somewhere. Glad it happened here on the Fan Midday Show. Glad we we're able to help you add another another tool to the utility belt there.
1: You know what I thought of Jimmy was talking about the milk choice for the Indy 500. I had a flashback to Emerson Fittipaldi who won the race and he shunned the milk and reached for some orange juice it's like he had an orchard or something like that he had all these mm-hmm. oranges and he and he shunned the milk and I'll, I'll never forget my dad being like what is he doing like he was upset about that happening
2: there's just certain things that you you, you don't mess with right and yeah. and, that, and that is near the top of the list of anyone's heart in this state and I feel like if you went down the list of things like that in the sports world it's it's probably near the tippy top as well
1: Man, it's tradition. You cannot <laughs> no. shun tradition no. right there. A, a bit of an odd tradition. I wonder how that started in the first place. I can't believe I haven't thought about that until now. But how did it become milk as the like celebratory drink? Because that's probably the last thing you would actually want in that moment. But it's tradition. You go along with it. But that's not like Gatorade or water. (laughs) I've never been like, oh, man, I was just sweating up a storm. I need some milk. I've never been like that one time in my life.
2: And even if you happen to be in the camp where you're not a big milk person and you win the race, okay, that's fine. Then just... Pour it on yourself just just for for yeah. take, take a quick little sip for the cameras and then just douse yourself with it
3: i got two things for you here number one the buttermilk tradition or the milk tradition started in 1936 with louis meyer in victory lane because his mother said it would refresh him on a hot day okay the second part of this i have emerson philipaldi i have the audio of him refusing the milk from 1993 if you want to hear that back
1: yeah, I'd love to hear
5: it. Here we go. No, I'm not having the milk sir. Yeah! that green Now, there's a first. Emerson, you're not going to drink the milk. Well, I'm going to drink the orange juice. That's my producing, and I, I'm going to have this time orange juice. I produce orange juice.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it, because Jack Root, I'm almost positive that was his voice. He was very nice, like, oh, Emerson, that's a little bit of a different uh, choice right there. He, He's trying to be, you sure you want to do that? Because they're going to hate you. They are going to hate your guts if you do this. They're like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm doing over here.
2: Even even now, to be clear, I I was I was still two years away from being on this planet when that happened. But even <laughs> even hearing that clip now, you could feel the tension within the speedway after the you know, like you said, that's reiterated. Oh, oh you're you're not gonna drink the milk. You could I can just picture what, what did he say? What? What just going through the, the entire spectators oh, of the speedway? Oh
1: man. <laughs> and and that's the thing is I don't know if that was the year where he had a wreck with Al Unser Jr. and Little Al was incredibly popular, right? A great race car driver, and uh, of course the Unser name and all of that mixed with Indy. But I don't know if that was still the same race because Fittipaldi won it a couple of times. I don't, I don't know if he shunned the milk as he got into a wreck. And he kept going, and little Al went into the wall. I don't know if he shunned the milk and got into a, a fender bender with Al Unser Jr. in the same race. That I don't know. I would have to do some digging on that one.
2: Yeah, we'll have to double check that uh, within the commercial break. Because again, I'm I'm not <sighs> certain either. But I don't uh, think
3: it was because uh, that was a '93. Uh, I think it was '93, right? Yeah, that was the '93 win. I don't think he had wrecked at that point. So did race. he
1: shun was the shunning of the milk in 89? No,
3: the shunning of the milk was 93.
1: Okay. Yeah, I don't know which was which, so maybe <laughs> Well, it's not good either way. Either he had a two for one combo platter the same year or he spaced it out like ticking everybody off royally. Where uh, maybe he got in the Al Jr. wreck one year and then the uh, Shunning of the Milk the next year.
3: Yeah, that wasn't the Al Unser year because then uh, th- that race, specific in '93, when he refused the milk. Uh, that's when he passed uh, Mansell, I can't remember his first name. I think maybe George Mansell. Uh or Nigel. Nigel Mansell. He passed him like with like sixteen laps or something to go off a restart and then he took the checkered flag home and then obviously refused the milk in victory lane.
1: So I'm I'm so curious here, like uh, this is how my mind works. Sometimes it's it's a good thing, sometimes it's it makes for horrible radio. You know, I just don't know which way it's gonna go. But if he took the milk in eighty nine, did he have a bad milk experience? And then he's like, all right, 93, I just I can't do it again, you know? <laughs> is, is that the way it went down? I mean... I like your logic there.
2: Like that, that sounds very plausible. If you do something once and then you're like, oh, that wasn't for me, if you can make an argument that four years removed there, you're like, well, like, do I really have to do this again? Yes, you do. Oh. You do. By the way, uh, shout out to my brother Bob, uh, listed today. He sent me a little uh, newspaper clipping on the milk to build off of uh, what Eddie mentioned about Meyer doing the first time uh, milk in 1936. Drivers celebrated with milk intermittently until the 1950s when milk. Producers became
1: official race sponsors. So there and you it go. was
3: nineteen eighty nine when Emerson Field of Party won his first Indianapolis five hundred is mm-hmm. when Al Anser Jr. wrecked. There
1: you go. Okay, and then you said the milk shunning was ninety three. Yes. Oh, oh that would have been it was funny, just that conversation you played with Jackaroot. That was funny as it is. But it would have been even funnier if he was like, Oh, I had it in eighty nine. Awful. Not doing that again. If he just went into great detail. <laughs>
2: Yeah, he just has a minute for a monologue there, victory lane. Yeah, listen, it it was not a great couple days for me after that. I've learned we're, we're going with orange juice today. That's the play.
1: Man, oh, man. By the way, Tony Sperano Jr., we were talking about him with Casey and his dad, um, Tony Sperano, head coach of the Dolphins, had always wore the sunglasses, you know, and, and that was bringing that back up. I don't know if you guys know this but he got into a, it was a fast food accident really. He was 17 years old and he had grease from a deep fryer that was accidentally splashed into his eyes. And he, his eyes were very um, you know uh, sensitive to light and uh, they watered excessively and that's why he was always wearing the sunglasses hmm. over there. I no idea you ever so work at a
2: fast food joint, Jimmy? No, no. Closest I came was uh, a little bit of work within a, a restaurant in high school. But outside of that, uh, no, no, no fast food life for me.
1: I have BK scratched off the list. My first real job was at Burger King. And you know, it was funny. <laughs> I just had a flashback. They uh, give you these training videos and they show you like you're supposed to put the, the ketchup in this like circular motion. And then inside of it, just neatly like the, the mustard in this circular motion. It, it's almost like art. And, and then I was being trained by some dude, and he just put a big smiley face with ketchup. And at first I was like, that's not the way the training. I was like, okay, I get it. I understand. It's not real life there, these training videos. I got it. I'm up to speed right now. Okay, Jay Cook, you've got a counterpoint right around the corner here. We're talking about flex scheduling. And I I had a view, and Jimmy said, whoa, 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 whoa. No, whoa, no. There is a counterpoint to this argument of yours. We will hear Jimmy's side of the story coming up. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
1: I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Okay, Jay Cook, you've got a counter-argument over here. I am all ears. So we were talking about NFL flex scheduling, and I just simply said... There's a lot of talk about, oh, the NFL and oh, you're you're bowing to Amazon and moving these games around on Thursday. And, and I look at it, I'm like, if I'm getting a better game as a fan, sign me up. I'm not playing on a short week on Thursday. <laughs> I, I'd much rather have the best matchup possible, whether it's Thursday, Sunday, Monday. Flex scheduling is great. I know it might screw up travel plans, and if you're going to the game – But your TV audience matters a whole lot more. That's where the real dollars and cents are. I think it's smarter for the NFL to approach it that way.
3: Turn on your mic. My goodness. (laughs) For me, rookie, my
2: biggest issue is that even though if I'm looking at it as selfish perspective internally... Okay, that time you did it. That's not funny. <laughs> not funny at all.
3: <laughs> oh, I had to take the shot there. That was funny. You know what,
2: Eddie, you go ahead. What? what, what what's your thought on flex scheduling? Go ahead. Floor's yours. What do you think?
3: No, go ahead. You no, can no, Finish, please, finish, please, finish means, Go ahead. Please. I'm the producer here. Go ahead.
2: For flex scheduling, uh-huh. I'm more worried about people that, as you mentioned, and I know you brushed it off to the side a little bit because you are right. The corporate machine is what matters. The eyeballs are what matters. The sponsorship dollars are what matters. But I do think about if you're a fan of an out-of-state team, or maybe there's a venue you've always wanted to take your family to, say like Lambeau Field, or or you're you're wanting to make a trip to Soldier Field. And it's a matchup that's set in stone for the second or third weekend in October. And it's a one o'clock kick. And you're like, all right, we're going ready. And then it gets flexed out and kids have school the next day. You can't make that trip Mm -hmm. happen anymore. Like, that stinks like I get it mm-hmm. like for me as a as a selfish viewer at home I don't really care but the idea of being in that situation and having to adapt or change things on the fly is annoying and, and, and feels like a greedy money grab which is the NFL's mantra in general when you look at it from that perspective
1: see you are negative Jay Cook on this one I am positive Brian no is the way it works out here because I would look at it like this Jimmy and I hear what you're saying I do but it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be ideal. And while there might be someone from Topeka, Kansas, who books their ticket to go see the Steelers on Sunday night or whatever, and the game gets flexed to Thursday, and they're like, whoa, what's happening over here? Some people will get screwed this way. But I think there's far more to gain than lose. Like, How many times are you going to see this really play out? where someone's travel plans are going to be wrecked. It's going to happen from time to time. But how many times are the viewing public going to benefit from, hey, you know what, this matchup, it stinks now. There were some injuries, this team just hasn't played well, their record's in the toilet, let's get you a better game. We're going to win more times than not. So I don't know why it's only about the losses when it should be also about the wins as well.
2: I don't disagree that, again, I gave you two perspectives with that, whereas my selfishness, caring about what I'm seeing on a weekly basis on my television, yes, I'm I'm tired of seeing Thursday night games that have – horrific endings like, you know, Colts Broncos from last season and Mm -hmm. really any Thursday night game that involved either one of those teams or any Thursday night game outside of the first or second of the season where you had chiefs chargers and it was a back and forth divisional matchup, but it was really electric. And it's like, Hey, maybe Thursday night games are going to be different this year. No, they were not. They were not different. So, on the one hand, again from the viewer standpoint, I'm with you. Like there's a large positive with that. Hopefully, now towards the back end of the season, instead of having to deal with Cardinals and Seahawks on a Thursday night, you could instead get Bills and Ravens, right? Like yeah. I like I, I hope that's something that comes of this. But yeah, I, I think that. I can't fully gloss over the fact that, yeah, it stinks that there will be some that are impacted by this. And we know how the NFL is. I'm willing to give them a chance this year. But if they are as aggressive as we think they're going to be about it, it could be more of a commonplace move that displaces people that are wanting to be able to get out in front and get tickets ahead of time and, and be ready to have your flights set up and ready to go. I mean, it just it stinks like it doesn't impact me for the most part or you. So we're sitting at home and
1: oh, yes, we got a great matchup now. What's the spread like tonight? But yeah, it does stuck for those that are traveling. It really does. I think that, listen, uh, doing things at the last minute has its advantages. I, what's the, the furthest out you've booked a trip? really cuz I, I don't book trips like well in advance we booked
2: out and this is an anomaly i understand but we booked out 9 months for our honeymoon
1: i think that's pretty that, that, that's pretty far out man. i think how about how about this a better way to say it cuz i get that that's life and you got to arrange it and you got to plan right how about for a sporting event because I've been to almost every NFL stadium. I'm trying to get a couple more scratched off the list, and I'll have everything completed. So I've gone to a left? lot of games, a lot of different areas. And I don't book it well in advance at all. The quickest
2: turnaround for me has been a AFC Championship game road trip, right? Because you are waiting to see how that plays out. Like, we did that. I went, my family went this past year. I didn't go, but I went two years ago. And it's like, okay, right after the divisional round goes final, I want to get those tickets because... They're going to tend to skyrocket. At least that's been the trend with a big game like that, where there's a trip to the Super Bowl on the line. For a regular season game, I don't know. There's been some cases where, yeah, it's been done over the summer. Like we went to Colts Chiefs three years ago, uh, and I can't remember when we booked those, but that was probably done in like July or August for an October game. So, yeah, probably about three months. But I am with you, and this is where my point, I get it, is a little hypocritical. The same thing is said about the NBA and resting stars. Yeah. And my argument there, particularly if you are like a local Pacers fan, but you have a son that's a fan of, uh, of Steph Curry or, or LeBron James or whoever, and they sit out, well, then my argument there is if you're in town and there's no flight or hotel costs to worry about... You should wait until about game time or day before of the game before you make that purchase because you just don't know with the uncertainty. It's a little different for me with the NFL when you don't see stars rest all the time and this isn't really a load management thing. This is a NFL wants more bang for its revenue dollars on these Thursday night games that have been a joke for really the better part of the last 10 years. Very rarely do you see high level
1: week after week consistent Thursday night games. By the way, which is worse? As a fan, is it the NBA load management that gets you? You go to a game and the stars are just resting. Or would it be you book your trip for a, uh, I don't know, an NFL stadium Thursday night game, and it gets flexed. What is it? 28 days? Like there's 28 days advance notice. But you book your trip a little, about a month, a little more than that in advance, which is worse. You go there and it's like, oh, I'm not seeing the game at all. Or, oh, I'm here and the stars aren't playing. For me, it's the
2: NFL side of that coin because also there's been a longer sample size here to where I'm used to that kind of thing as an NBA fan. Like it's almost commonplace at this point, where you have to really count it out. Okay, they had a back-to-back here. All right, then a couple of days off. Okay, this this could definitely be a rest day. Like you're you're almost used to it at this point. To where with flex scheduling, even though in theory it's not a new concept, you've seen it all the time with with Sunday night primetime games. That would be more annoying to me because of all the other logistics that are at, at play with a hotel, with a flight potentially, and all that other stuff.
1: You know, this is why I like doing a show with you because we can look at things a little bit differently. I would think that it's worse for Thursday night specifically. If it's a 28 day window, you got to have advance notice. I would look at myself more. If I booked my tickets in advance of that and the game got flexed out, I'd be like, that's on me. I really would. But if it's the NBA thing and I go to a game and I know load management happens, I know that, but I don't have any advance notice. I don't know that well in advance that they're not going to play. I would be more ticked off about the NBA and load management. I would say that
2: at this point though, And because we talk about it every year, like at least three straight years now in this market specifically, we have at some point talked about a star not playing against the Pacers or a star not playing on a particular road trip to the point that I almost have grown cynical to it where it's like we should almost expect it at this point. Like, why would you Mm want to buy tickets anything further out than either a day before or on game day because of the risk that, hey, yeah. Sorry, Billy. LeBron's sitting out tonight. I apologize. <laughs> but, hey, the, the good news is Austin Reeves is out there. So, like, yeah,
1: at, at this point, you're
2: used to it to a fact where you should be properly prepared.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. All right, coming up next, a couple of strategic moves. Don't confuse it with something else. I'm Brian, though. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: I'm Brian Noh He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. You know, Jimmy, you were talking about the, that Colts-Broncos game. From last year, I was at that game. Really? <laughs> I was at the I'm game. Sorry. I'm sorry.
3: Ooh, <laughs> don't, don't be sorry at all
1: because I had the under. I had the under <laughs> for the game. I had the under for team totals. It was glorious. I love that game.
2: <laughs> oh man! Well, at least if you're if you're gonna have to go through that, at least you had your feet up for most of that game. It's <laughs> confident right. that the bankroll is gonna look a little bit sweeter by the end of that one.
1: What a crazy game. That was weird. Just to see Russell Wilson struggling that much in person and, yeah, it was not... If you like offense, you did not like that game. But I was there. I was there for that one. Um, I want to get your opinion on this because there are a couple of things that have happened uh, recently that I think are just strategic moves. And uh, some might say this is a bit cynical. I think this is exactly what's happening. So... It involves John ja Morant and also LeBron James. So John ja Morant had a cryptic post on Instagram, and they had to do a wellness check. They had to do a welfare check. There were officers that went to his home because he posted on Instagram. It um it was just it was like four different pictures, and it just said "Love you, Ma. Love you, Pops." You the greatest baby girl. Love you as far as his daughter goes. And the last one was bye. And it was just like, what, what's happening over here? Ja Morant, he had a, a second video where he was showing a gun. And so he's in line to get suspended for a lot of games. And so this was his Instagram story. And uh, there are a lot of people that are like, is Ja okay? Is Ja right? Is everything okay? I hope everything's fine. I do. But I think, Jimmy, I think this is a strategic move to shift the focus. This is exactly what LeBron did a couple of nights ago. He gets swept out of the Western Conference Finals. And at the very end, he says, I've got a lot to think about and hints at retirement. And it just shifts the focus away from the sweep to, is LeBron going to retire? It was a strategic move. And I think that's all that's happening with LeBron and Ja with Ja it completely shifts the focus from what's he doing a second video what is wrong with this guy and now you're thinking is he okay is everything all right is it shifts the focus i think that's what's happening here
2: i can't go as far as to lean that way with Ja because this whole process of the last 12 months or so has been very confusing and i and i've really just hated to see it because he's a player that like i Thoroughly enjoy watching, you know, by by all accounts, at least in the lead up to this appears to be, you know, a very well-intended young man. And his jersey is one of the most selling jerseys in all of the NBA. Like he's as popular as any player with young kids throughout the country. So I don't I have a hard time painting it that way that it was strategic as much as like I really do think he's going through a tough time right now across the board. And and mental health is a very serious thing. Mm-hmm. So I I can't go that path with him because this whole thing stinks and is scary. And I, and I wish him well. And I hope that what throughout whatever it is that he's dealing with, that he's able to come out on the other side and and figure it out. With LeBron, though, a, a totally different scenario in terms of what was at stake or what was happening. Right? Like with mm-hmm. with Ja, it very well could be a human being's life potentially at stake when you're reading into those cryptic messages and, and just in general, what has been around him the last couple of months with LeBron. I'm much more willing to buy strategic shifts, the entire narrative because it did. It's no longer about the fact that they got swept. He yeah. got swept for only the third time in his entire career. And what are the Lakers going to look like next off season from like a really negative tone It then shifts it away on top of the fact that the headlines went from Denver going to their first finals ever, and that should have been the story instead, to that being half of the story. And once they got done, the required amount needed to give Denver coverage of it was LeBron's now forcing his hand here. And how are the Lakers going to make changes this offseason? Is this really it for him? Is he hanging it up? So, again, I can't fully get on board with the jaw Idea that that was fully strategic. Uh-huh. I can get on board though with LeBron James oh. because he is a seasoned veteran. <laughs> this is this is year twenty that just finished up for him. He knows how to manipulate the media. Oh, there's and no I doubt. I don't, I don't. I don't fault him for there's it. There's no the doubt way, with LeBron because I would. I would do the same thing. Like I. I would absolutely do the same thing in terms of trying to manipulate and yeah. pull the media puppet string wise if I knew I had that kind of power. But
1: that's the thing. Everybody's falling for this. This was the question for LeBron at the end of his press conference. They got swept. They lost game four against Denver. This was the question. How would you evaluate
5: the
0: season that you had? Yeah.
1: Okay, so he goes on for you know a little more than a minute and at the end of it, he just volunteers this.
3: I don't know. I don't know. I got a lot to think about, to be honest. I got a lot to think about, to be honest. And um, Just for me personally, going, going forward with the game of basketball... Got a lot to think about. (laughs) Appreciate it.
1: And then just to clarify with Dave McMenamin from ESPN, oh, yeah, it's specifically about will I retire or not? There is zero doubt. That is all strategic and just classic misdirection, shifting the focus away from getting swept and shifting it right to will he retire or not? And he gets some more attention, which LeBron likes a lot. Not automatically a bad thing, but he likes the limelight. There is zero doubt. That's all strategy. I hope that's what's happening with Ja, and that's my sense. To your point, Jimmy, if it involves anything in terms of mental health, and I know he's in a dark place right now, so I'm not going to sit here and say 100% that's absolutely what it is. If he's going through something difficult and he just has a low moment, I understand that. My whole thing is he doesn't post like this. You know what I mean? Like, Ja is very much like a one, two word type guy. And now he's posting all of these things, all of these pictures. I love you, Ma. I love you, Pops. Bye. It's just, it's over the top for Ja. And so I don't know. I can absolutely see. And this is what I hope is the case. I hope he's in a good spot. And this is just the PR team. Like, you know what would work in terms of shifting the focus? As if you just throw out a cryptic tweet and everybody wonders if you're okay and all of a sudden it, it moves away from you doing something stupid again for the second straight time, and it's just like, is Ja alright? If that was a strategic move, it was well played. I hope that's what's happening here.
2: See and I don't know I don't know what type of person this makes me, but like mental health is not something that you use as a marketing ploy. That I makes me totally think less of you, you as yes. as as a person. Yeah. If that that would that's be what low. happened. So yes. so so on the one hand, while like from his overall standpoint It'd probably be better off in terms of oh okay that was a marketing move like I'm glad he's doing okay like that's one takeaway from it. My larger takeaway from it would be you know how many people are consuming stuff in today's social media day and age. You know how many people are going through struggles through their day to day. Yeah. For you to use that as a PR yes. move makes me think far worse of this situation than I would have had it just been a, a truly authentic wow, he's really going through
1: some stuff. Very well said. That's true. If this is indeed the case right. where it is more of a PR strategic misdirection move that's gross. Like That's, that's... a low move. That's a low card to play for sure. Yeah. No, you're right about that. That's a very good point by you. Alright, coming up next we got changes happening all over the place. Which do you like? Which do you dislike? I'm Brian no, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Man, I got Nutrigrain barb bar wedged in my esophagus right there. Good Lord. They say stay away from peanuts. When you're doing a show, you know what, um, Jimmy. There, but uh, I would add Nutrigrain bars to the list right there.
2: Yeah, I feel like anything with a lot of crumbs or, or a lot of action like that, where you're worried about it getting in the in the windpipe. I'm right there with you. Yeah, stay away.
1: Maybe cashews also. You know, it's one of the Dane five go-to snacks. You always got to go. chop nuts. Yeah, <laughs> stay away from chop nuts during a show as well. Hey, we'll have Connor Daly. He'll be on with us at two thirty. Ed Carpenter racing IndyCar driver. Some more Indy 500 talk as we go on throughout the day here. How about this, Jimmy? We've got a lot of changes in the NFL. Rule changes, things being approved, all this. We'll go a little thumbs up, thumbs down here. What do you think about kickoffs getting spotted at the 25-yard line? If you call for a fair catch on a kickoff, it's going to be spotted at the 25 instead of the 20. Another incentive to not return it, you know, not have concussions and, and big collisions. I, I go thumbs down. I just feel like the NFL, they say this in a relationship, you break up for half the time that you're together. And that's what I feel the NFL is doing with the kickoff. They're just taking steps and steps each year while they're slowly breaking up with it, and they're going to be broken up in the not-too-distant future is how I feel about it. I'm also thumbs
2: down. I'm going to borrow a page of my favorite coach out there right now, the great Andy Reid, which was he was asked about this yesterday, and he said, you know, I mean, you keep taking things away and taking things away, and eventually you're on a path, he was obviously kidding here, towards flag football. Like, like either – I'd rather them rip the band aid off and be like, all right, kickoffs are done. Like, I would still be upset about it, but like, I feel like we keep just inching as close as we can to that line to the point where they're like, yeah, we're just going to give you the ball at the 20. Like, that's not an insane take to think that at some point in time, safety is going to become such a concern for the NFL. And it should be to some extent, but these whole little modifications and everything and slowly picking apart, I, I don't like it. I'd, I'd rather it just happen all at once rather than continue to just slowly chop away at what a kickoff is in the NFL.
1: It almost feels like being a kid and you're being punished. Like things are being taken away slowly you might have done something wrong and it's like okay you're grounded for a week and then it's like and you can't play video games you know it's just like stuff keeps adding on to it and you're like oh no I would have been better if I heard all this immediately but we didn't do anything wrong with the kickoffs it's just it's a safety thing. But I'm with you where initially it was, it moved up five yards from where you were kicking off from, so you get more touchbacks that way. Now, with the kind of like pooch kicks where they try to pin you down there, now that incentive is changed because you get the ball to 25. I don't like it. I think we're headed toward a clear breakup where there are no more kickoffs, Jimmy, or I think it could be like the XFL. And I don't know how you explain that exactly, but the kickoff team they are well downfield i don't know which yard line it is say it's like the 30 yard line that's where the kickoff team is so the kicker he kicks off from the 30 and the kickoff team is spotted at i'll we'll just say like the other 30. i don't know the exact yard line and the receiving team is five yards away from that so you're just five yards apart the kickoff team from the kickoff receiving team So you don't get those enormous collisions. I could see the NFL doing something like that, where you still get the element of the kickoff, but you don't have the big-time impact um, collisions and concussions. I could see that happening in the NFL.
2: Again, though, like as you continue to think outside the box with it, like I'm not saying that innovation has not been stolen from previous leagues in the past. right? We saw yeah. it in the, in the initial run of the XSL way back when, in terms of just able to adapt in the NFL, wanting to pick and choose and take things. But for me, I don't know. I don't remember if it was last year or the year before that, but they were making a big deal about kick returns for touchdowns being just way, way down. Like It's to a point where, yeah, I would almost rather it be just a direct... Simple, all right, yeah, we're just going to give the ball here and, and, and be done with it. Most teams anyway, from the kicking perspective, are trying to show off the big leg and kick it to the end zone to that point anyway, and if not, you're going to take the knee. I don't know. I I, I, w- I would not be mad at all if tomorrow it broke that they were getting rid of kickoffs. I'd be like, all right, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. That's fine. But continuing to water it down and water it down, that, that
1: irritates me. I think it's weird, too, because you'll sometimes hear these percentages. Sometimes percentages sound way worse than the actual amount, like the actual numbers. So you'll hear, hey, concussions are up X percent. And then you get to the actual numbers, and according to the documented concussions, on kickoffs, there were 19 players that suffered concussions in 2022. Like 19. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's over like 2,700 kickoffs. So that means that over 99% of those kickoffs were concussion-free. So it's like, sometimes we take too many steps towards safety. And I like this too, Jimmy, where it's on a trial basis just for this year. It's like, we know how it goes. If there's a safety change, right? There's a change made in the name of safety. That's the way it's going to be going forward. What's the argument to put it back? You know what I mean? Like... It's not going to go back, so when they say, it's just a one-year experiment, it's like, dude, no, it's not. This is the way it is from now on. Again,
2: I I don't need the the one-year trial to try to butter me up to make me think change isn't happening. Like I (laughs) I think you'd be much better off just ripping the Band-Aid off and rolling through with, okay, these are the changes we want to get. I I guess I get it to an extent, the phrasing of one-year trial period, because... There's no minor league system, and there shouldn't be, but there's no minor league system for the NFL to test things out. Like with baseball, you have a one-year trial period right, in, in A or single A as they modify things and work it through their system before they make big changes. The NFL, you can color code it however you want to in terms of what this means for a one-year trial. But yeah, you're exactly right. In reality, it's a change. It's just worded that way so people don't lose their minds like, oh, yeah. what are you doing with my kickoff? Yeah. I love that part of the game. It, yeah, I don't buy it.
1: Would, would that be good if it worked in life like that? Where it was like, you know, just a one-year experiment, I'm going to watch Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night football. It, you know, every single week. You know, just a one-year experiment. Just a one-year trial, <laughs> you know, this. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like wouldn't that be great if it worked like that? Just a one year trial. I'm not gonna take the trash out this year. You know? They're just, they're just trying it for one year. It's it's not the way it's gonna be all the time, you know. I wish we could kind of shoehorn things in life that way. It doesn't work the same way.
2: At that point, I feel like you're trying to navigate through with conversations with significant others in terms of no, 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 babe. It's just it's just a it's a one year trial period. We're just we feeling out. I just want to see just, how things go.
1: Just a one year trial for doing a you know weekday show over. Just one year trial. I'm not going to work Fridays. Just, just trying it out for a year. That's all. It's not the way it's going to be going forward. Or I've anything. got a
3: conspiracy theory on this. Oh yeah. I don't think this is pertaining to safety for players. I think they want to see more offense, and I think this is a ploy to get more offense and more scoring by eliminating returns. Because, like, if you get a late in the game, and how many teams, like you talked about earlier, are pooch kicking it or trying to get it, mm-hmm. pin the return man like, at the one or two yard line? Next thing you know, they're bringing it out from like the, the they start driving like the eighteen. Now they have the automatic catcher at the twenty-five yard line, mm-hmm. and now you only need what thirty-five yards to get and to field goal range, so that's what, possibly two plays, even one play? So my thinking here is that it's a trial run, because they want to see, A, if it's effective with injuries possibly, and B, does this lead to more scoring, because that's what everyone wants to see. They don't want to see kickoff returns, they want to see scoring, and I think by eliminating the return, you're going to get more scoring.
1: I like a good conspiracy theory, Eddie, but the only thing that I would go against you on is... If we were seeing teams consistently getting pinned down in their own territory and it hurt scoring, I would get that. Um, if it, it, I think that most of these teams, the way it is right now, they're starting off relatively similar. You know, you're. T- I would ballpark it probably between the twenty and the thirty yard line. Some I don't know yeah. what the exact average would be, somewhere around there. So I don't think it dramatically hurts offense. I do buy it where this is they're trying to get the numbers down in terms of concussions and percentages, and they're always w- very, very um, focused on that. I do buy the reasoning. I like the conspiracy theory. I do, but it's just like if we were seeing like long returns and it was cutting down from seeing Mahomes do it himself, you know, or you were seeing teams pinned down in their own territory, they're starting at their own seven. Or if you saw that consistently, I would buy it, but you don't see that consistently. So I do, I do think they're telling you the truth on this one.
2: I will say, to part of Eddie's point, though, I, I don't need to see Sky Moore back there. Get Pat Mahomes back nope. on the field
1: as, as quickly yeah. as possible. And well, let's then ride. why not just say no kickoffs? We're starting I'm right, at yeah, the 25. Again,
2: like I said, I'd rather them do that. I would rather it just be a clear and honest assessment instead of dancing around it. Like Because it is. like It's almost inevitable. Like We've seen this year after year after year, or maybe every two or three years, there's some modification to it to a point where it's like, okay... You've changed it so much to a point that we're not seeing as many returns as we used to. It's much harder to be able to take one to the house. Fine. I'd rather just see the offense quicker.
1: Just call a fair catch or start at the 25. That's fine. Let's go. Okay. So if you had one of two options, would you just say the heck with it? Start at the 25? Or would you accept this one-year trial basis where there are fair catches on kickoffs and you go back to the twenty-five?
2: I'd rather it just be the kickoff because you and I both know that two years from now we're gonna get we're gonna try no kickoffs for a year. We're just gonna see <laughs> just see gonna how see, it
1: feels. Yeah, it's not the new rule change, it's just an experiment for a year. <laughs> I okay. think it's
3: also kinda ridiculous that it's the twenty five yard line. Like Justin Reed can go out there and kick it through the end zone, like you can find almost anybody to kick it within the twenty five. And if you're kicking it near the twenty, most of the times the guys are gonna take it out.
1: Well, that's the other part of this is how does this change the 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 process? Do any teams try to pooch it around like the 15? You know what I mean? Like kick it real high and and dare you? I, I, I think you're just going to see teams more times than not just boot it through the back of the end zone and just say the heck with it. How about these other changes? Flex scheduling. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Some people are like... Yeah, yeah, flex like scheduling and this screws up my travel plans and man man I, I don't have enough thumbs to be giving thumbs up on this. Give me the best possible matchups. Yes, if there's a dog game, get it out. It doesn't belong in primetime. This is good. I'm going to go again.
2: I'm going to go thumbs up if I'm being the selfish viewer but I do understand the, what was it you went? I understand the griping people (laughs) that might be upset because they're trying to find the perfect matchup or or take their family to their first NFL game or hit up a historic venue. I I get all of those checkpoints. I feel for them, but more often than not, that's not impacting me, so I am going to end up going into your selfish camp and give the thumbs up because I don't want to watch, again, like I mentioned, Cardinals and whoever Cardinals, Seahawks or Cardinals
1: Broncos on a Thursday night. I'm fine. Yeah. And the emergency third quarterback, this is something that else that was approved. This is a great change. You just go back to the NFC championship game. This is the 49ers rule. Brock Purdy gets hurt. Josh Johnson gets hurt. And then all of a sudden Christian McCaffrey is trying to play quarterback. You know what I mean? (laughs) So you have an emergency third quarterback. It doesn't take a roster spot for your game day lineup, so you actually have a quarterback playing quarterback in those situations, this is a no-brainer.
2: I think it's a great rule because you're saving teams from themselves. And here's why. You could always carry a third quarterback with roster construction, but many teams didn't want to do it because of that very reason it takes up a roster spot. So the fact that you're saving teams from themselves, even though – I don't know. That's very hard to map out if it would have saved the 49ers in that particular instance in the NFC Championship game with how that game was going. It definitely would have given them a little bit better of a pulse than having Christian McCaffrey or, 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 um, uh, Kittle asking Purdy if he can throw (laughs) left-handed. Can you throw it lefty Purdy? Come on. By the way, that's that's a guy in Kittle that I get it. He's so hungry to get back to the Super Bowl. You saw him on the sidelines after the Chiefs got him. Vengeance in his tone. I will be back. And there's a certain level of panic at that point in time when you realize, even though you still have two quarters left to play, there's no hope. So what do we do? Brock, you can throw left, right? You got this. We're good. I, I feel for him in that regard again, I don't know how much it would have changed that game, but it gives a little bit more hope to to poor Kittle and the Niners.
1: Yeah, this was um this is what he was saying on the uh you're talking about the New Heights podcast and um mm-hmm. You know his conversation with George Kittle there. Uh, this is what uh, this is how uh, Purdy was explaining it. Did
3: he actually come up to you in the uh, NFC Championship game and ask you if you could throw left-handed? Dude, he wanted to win. He was like, "Dude, throw with your left hand," and I'm like, "I can't." Have you learned to throw lefty this offseason?
1: What? what? You've, been, you've been throwing it in the backyard? Yeah, man. I was telling all the guys, we just got back today for phase one of OTAs and just throwing the ball lefty. Can't let this happen again. Got to be ready for anything at this point. Okay. Now, a couple of things here, Jay Cook. Uh, I love <laughs> that Kittle was like, just throw it lefty. It's got to be better than Christian McCaffrey. Let's just get out there. It can't be any worse than him. Good Lord. I, I think that's hilarious. Yep. And then Purdy. I get it. He's got some downtime, just had elbow surgery. And I halfway give him credit for trying to throw lefty, but what are we doing here? Like, this is Paul Bunyan-type hype. <laughs> I feel like Purdy can do no wrong. I just, I couldn't roll my eyes anymore. Like, oh gosh, look out for Purdy throwing lefty this year. What are we doing? The only
2: issue that I have with any of that is there is a fair chance, or at least a possibility, that Brock Purdy won't even be the starter this year. Yeah. So like, so he, he's enjoying it. Like, he's... he's absolutely soaking in everything of this opportunity in terms of the limelight. I don't want to go as far as to say 15 minutes of fame because he he proved that he belongs in the NFL. Like I I can never take that away from him nor I really want to take that away from him. My only knock during that run was I would argue you could put, say, uh, I don't know, let's go local here, Sam Ellinger in that backfield and they probably would have looked just as efficient because of how high velocity, high level that offense is. All that said, have your fun. Take your laps. Make your jokes on new heights. And uh, yeah, you might be throwing left. Only time will be, though, in uh, warm-ups while
1: uh, Trey Lance is getting ready. <laughs> Man, I just do not buy the hype. I think that, dude... And they went on an eight-game winning streak. That's good. That's fine. But I am not buying it yet. I got to see way more than him throwing to, oftentimes, wide-open receivers. Freaking <laughs> wide-open over there. I, I just... You think that Brock Birdie's slaying it if he's the Houston Texans quarterback last year? I don't. No, It matters. The supporting cast matters. Uh, while we're talking about changes here, Jimmy, Brian knowing and Jimmy Cook with you here, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Let's shift it over to basketball. I was waiting for this. Do you know where I'm going? I think so, because I was going to bring it up to you if we ever got down this path. Bring up your thing, because I don't know if it's what I'm going to tell
2: so, you. So my thing is that uh, Shams Charania reported about two hours ago or so that the NBA is planning on considering a way to have some type of punishment for in-game flopping that occurs oh, and a potential trial to take place It's Summer League is the early reports on that.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thumbs up galore because, look, it's hard. I get it. it is really hard to not fall for it. But those times where you as an official clearly know that this was a flop all day long, Those players should get punished for it. We got to cut down on this. Here's what I'm worried about. There are some instances
2: where if you slow it down on replay or sometimes even when you see it full speed, you know, it's a flop. Mm -hmm. LeBron has shown us that. Jokic has shown us that. Yep. Steph has shown us that before. People are willing to do it. Steph, not as much, but you've seen everybody do it because, hey, if you can bait the official, why not get a call? What I'm worried about, and I'll be interested to see how the trial period goes out in Summer League if they end up doing it again, it's just possible, not official at this point in July, is where's the line? Are we overstepping bounds in terms of what we're interpreting as a flop or not? You would hope that it would then go to a point where the players are so worried about a penalty, and it doesn't reference, by the way, mm-hmm. what the penalty would be, right. but you would hope that the penalty would be so severe to a point that players really aren't doing it anymore. It's just a, a matter of trying to sway it away as a practice. My worry is the officials would potentially overstep bounds and what might not be a flop, but because the official feels right. like he was shown up would now flex his muscles and be like, yeah, that's a flop, two free throws to golden state.
1: You know what I would like to see? I would like to see it be a lot like to take foul where, you know, to stop a fast break, you would just foul the guy. And so now you get a f- one free throw. If it's a take, foul, in transition, and guess what? Take, fouls are way down, like 87% down this season compared to last season. It's been tremendous. You get way more action that way. Great rule change. I would love to see flopping. It's not a $5,000 fine, okay? That's not going to do anything. It's got to be one free throw. It's got to be one technical free throw if you are caught flopping. You're caught red-handed as a flopper. And think about that. This could be a key moment in the game. You get a free point, and all of a sudden, your flop that went wrong, you're vilified for that. You're known as a flopper, even more so because there's a free throw attached to it. I think that's how you implement it.
2: The other angle I'm fascinated by is you see offensive players do it too. They bob the head or they try to embellish like they got whacked in the nose, and in reality, it was just a, a reach in for the ball. We don't have this intel yet for how the NBA would handle this, but is this a official makes the call? And then because it's in a certain window of time, they would go to the monitor? Is it whole game free will able to look at the monitor? Does the other team have to challenge? Like, like how, how how is it called upon to be looked at as a potential, uh, because I don't want it to slow down the game. If it slows down the game, I
1: don't want it. I think the way you do it is you can't have replays left and right. You just can't. So it's a it's a free throw. You get one free throw if it's an obvious flop. And just like the challenge system right now, you get one challenge a game if you want to challenge that. Just for flopping. Just for okay. No 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 no. You get one challenge a game. Whether it's you want to challenge a flop, you want to challenge the ball being out on your team when it wasn't. Like you get one challenge to challenge anything. I'm not gonna have a bleeding heart for your flopping team, and you just ran out of your one challenge. And you can't challenge the call. You know, it's like stop flopping around all over the place. So that's how I see it. That I, really you just can't slow it too. down all the time.
3: I think they need to. I think they need to institute a rule like if you get the challenge right, you should be able to get another one. I agree wholeheartedly. Or, and like, and if you yep. go into overtime, and if both team haven't used their challenge or used their challenges, I think you should be able to get one.
1: I'm, I disagree with you guys. Just because, and I hear you, it's a good argument. I just don't want to slow the game down more. I like the way they have it right now. And we're not trying to get it perfect. We're just trying to get it better. I like the strategy of, I got to save this challenge. If you are right, you're going to see a challenge in the first quarter. It's like, well, cool. I get an extra challenge if I'm right, and I know I'm right right now. So you're going to be almost guaranteed a couple of challenges per game. I think it slows it down too much. I would be willing to sacrifice that because so often,
2: like, of course, you'd have a, you'd have coaches that might roll the dice. They joke about it on the broadcast, right? Oh, that that was too close. You don't want to use that challenge this early. I do like that strategy aspect of it, but if it's a blatant missed call. Because we talk about it. Oh, well, you mm-hmm. could have made up for it earlier in the game. It doesn't all come down to that last shot. Well, that's fine, but that's the same philosophy that we live by. If you get it right, you shouldn't be penalized for the official failing to do their job.
1: Nah, I don't <laughs> buy it. <laughs> it's similar with the NFL. Terrible example. They get a couple of challenges. If you're right, you get an extra one. You don't get unlimited challenges. You don't, you don't get no, no, five. Get, there okay, are some I'll, games you need four. You need five. You, you don't get I'll that. cap it then. I'll, yeah. I'll cap it. You,
2: you go give a challenge in the first quarter. You get it, you get it right. You get your challenge back one time. Then after that, it's it. It's not an unlimited system. Yeah,
1: I I say you got one challenge, one All right. and done, All right. one I and done. All right, coming up next, Connor Daly, Ed Carpenter Racing Indy driver. He will join us. We'll compare notes. We'll see what he's thinking about heading into race day on Sunday. I'm Brian. No, he's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and one zero seven five. The fan.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Very pleased to welcome in Connor Daly, IndyCar driver. Racing for the Ed Carpenter team over there, joining us here on The Fan. And, Connor, I, I don't know if it's going to tick you off right away. It's certainly not my intention, but you look a little like the boxer Canelo Alvarez a bit to me. Anybody ever say that to you? I,
0: I, I He's very rich and successful, so I I, I, <laughs> I, I respect that, and I've, I've heard it before. Um and you know what? Good for us, I guess, as uh, twins. <laughs> That's right, man. You guys are good looking dudes over
1: here. Do you have a left hook like Canelo for your post race career?
0: Oh man, I doubt it. That guy's, uh, that guy's built like something fierce. So I don't think I have the same, um, the same build, but, uh, you know what? If, 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 if someone wants to pay me a hundred million dollars a night to fight or whatever, maybe I'll take it up as a career.
1: Man, yeah, right. That wouldn't be a, a bad second act, right there. How's everything yeah. going so far, leading up to the race? You pleased with where you're at, as you know, your car, your setup, your crew, everything? Do you feel like you're on point for Sunday?
0: Yeah, man, we're feeling really good. We've had a we've had a solid month. Um, qualifying didn't go quite as well as we were hoping for, but um, it's kind of this place has uh, so, some interesting things to it, and sometimes. You know, myself and Ed Carpenter, my teammate, my boss. Uh, we're about we're separated by about point less than point two of a mile an hour, so pretty close there. And we tried to run again, tried to get a little bit more speed out of it, but I don't think we had um, just the raw, pure speed that uh, that our that our other teammate Renas had. So it, it's fine with us, honestly, because the race car is a completely different car, um, and uh, and we know every single time we've got a, we've been in race trim, we feel really good. So uh, the race is what pays, and um, you know that's why we show up on Sunday. Uh, you know to, to try to get get to the front win
2: connor with how much time is spent preparing for this race what's the team's overall goals and objectives and your overall approach to carb day tomorrow
0: well honestly there's a lot of practice time for this event but there's always more to do so we have you know a few different things that we want to try uh, there's we have a wider range of uh, of aerodynamics uh, aerodynamic settings we can run this year so uh, we want to make sure we're we're aware of what each uh, level of the of those uh, you know of those trims and those uh, downforce settings feel like uh, for race day because basically, you know, you get a lot of puzzle pieces through this month. You get a lot of. Uh, little things and, and little bits of information and your goal for race day is basically just put all the best stuff together and make it uh, you know make it make it go as fast as possible and make it feel as good as possible after all that you've tried during the month so it's uh, you know it's it's a real science it's a real science project for, for myself and my engineer and the teams and um, we just hope we do it better than everyone else. He's IndyCar driver Connor Daly
1: joining us here on The Fan. I find that really interesting, Connor, where your teammate, Ed Carpenter, is also your boss. So what kind of understanding or arrangement do you guys have on the track? If you've got a chance to pass him and and win the Indy 500, do you feel obligated to push him while he's the boss? How do you guys break it down exactly?
0: Well I think the good thing about both ed and Renas um you know they're they're good smart racers, so you know racing with those guys racing with your teammates is usually the best case scenario and and I mean, if we had all three of us at the in the top three at the end of the race fighting for the win, that's the best case scenario for everyone so I think um all of us wanna win more than anything right so it's uh it's 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 a tough situation it's gonna be um a challenge if we do happen to get there, but we know that uh, this is a team sport and uh you know if somehow Ed Carpenter Racing was able to get a 1 2 3 finish uh well Ed makes the most money but uh no matter what out of that situation but uh, we're all having a a nice a nice celebration for sure Connor last year off track
2: You were the victim of of bead gate as it was coined uh, throughout the news organizations here in the city and the state as 1.75 million of those vase filler beads were put into your hot tub. Uh, I realize even if you have, you wouldn't reveal your cards to this point, but has there been any retaliation uh, on the mind or any pranks that have gone on to this point out there?
0: Honestly, it's been pretty quiet. I think everyone this month has been, next level busy uh, which is good it means the event is uh, you know at a very very high level like like always but it it, it feels even um, even more just massive and 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 busy this year so that's good I think everyone's been kind of calm on the uh, on the, um, uh, the the attacks or the uh, the 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 disaster um, activities there's been a couple things that haven't been publicized as much like I saw Tony Kanaan's golf cart was wrapped in Saran Wrap, and Scott McLaughlin's scooter was wrapped in Saran Wrap. Um, So someone's been up to something. Um, And obviously, there's been a couple scooters that have been altered. Um, But uh, yeah, a few small things, but nothing quite as major as the hot tub debacle last year, uh, which is probably good for everyone's sanity. You were diagnosed
1: with type 1 diabetes at age 14. And I'm just curious, when the race rolls around on Sunday, is there anything that you have to do that's special to get through a race? And, you know, when you're sweating up a storm, and it might be a little bit different than someone that doesn't have that. Is there anything that you have to do specifically?
0: Yeah, I mean, life becomes a little bit more challenging than I would say everyone else that doesn't have type 1 diabetes. But, uh, you know, it's something that I'm so used to now. It obviously doesn't go away any day of the week. So, uh, you know, I've been racing for so many years with it now. Um, that it's, uh, but, but it's also, um, a pretty straightforward situation. You know, what goes in has to be, you know, what goes into your body has to be managed. And, and, uh, and if you don't put anything in it, well, uh, that's also, you know, a different result as well. So, uh, I have a pretty strict regimen that I stick to. I can monitor my blood sugar at all the times as well. Um, so it's never caused an issue for me, thankfully. And, you know, we have drink bottles in the car as well. Uh, everyone does. Hopefully they work, um, but uh, but if not, you know I, I make sure that my preparation is always the same, always very uh, very just one thing after another. Make sure that you've got enough of what you need. My team helps me out as well to make sure that I've got what I need right before I get in the car, and then we just go racing.
2: Connor Daly, Event Carpenter Racing, here was on the fan in the twenty car. He'll get set for his tenth Indianapolis five hundred start. Another change for you guys, or, or something different among your pit crew, former offensive lineman, Ben Braden is going to be in charge of, uh, plugging in the fuel line, make sure it, it's steady and ready to roll for those pit stops. Uh, I know that he's had some conversations in general with Ed Carpenter, or with you as a whole, what went into that process and is Ben ready to go for Sunday.
0: Yeah, man, Ben's been awesome. We've, we've trained at the gym with Ben, uh, for, for a few years now, um, as, uh, as he was trying to, you know, be, you know, be more and more involved in the NFL um, but, uh, we, we kind of, Ed, I guess, asked him to come in and, and see what he thought about it, about working with the team. And boy, the guy's done an amazing job, uh, you know, meshing with the team and, uh, he's been my fueler all year long and he's done a great job. I mean, the more and more experience he gets, the better he gets. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, and he's also the biggest dude in the paddock. So there's, uh, there's no one that's going to mess with him or mess with our group. If there happens to be a throwdown at any point. Um, and he's also pretty good at, uh, at manhandling that fuel, that fuel rig. He's Connor Daly, IndyCar
1: driver here on the fan. You're an Indiana boy, you know, from Noblesville. Do you think that winning the 500 would mean more to you being from Indiana than if you were
0: born in a different state? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, the, the support that I've got here is, is incredible. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely thankful for it every day that I'm out here. And uh, you know, I, there's been so much going on, and we try to get from place to place. And so many people are asking for for pictures and autographs, and it means so much to me. And it's 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 such a great uh, you know such a great community here. I love being from this state. I love living in this city. Um, and uh, you know this, this race means the most to me. So I think no one else can really say that. Ed, Ed is of course my boss. You know, a big Indiana guy. Uh, you know, the, and the crowd loves him as well. But uh, to see some of the videos of whenever I took the lead the last two years. Um, it's, uh it definitely makes me uh, emotional every time.
2: Connor, if fans are still trying to uh, figure out who they're going to pick to win the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500, why should they pick you?
0: I think they should pick me because, well, we've been at the front the last two years. I mean, we, we, we figure out how to get there. We figure out how to stay there. And I think, um, you know, I, I, I understand more and more about this race every year. Uh, but there are gonna be a lot of good cars to beat. So I, I don't ever wanna take away from anyone else that's that's uh, you know, also gonna be a really, really fast car. Uh, you know, the Ganassi cars are gonna to be tough to beat. The guys at the front, Dixon and Polo, and uh even Marcus Erickson as well. Um, but uh, can can never count can never count out the Kumasato, I mean two time champion. Uh and the McLaren guys, they're they're also gonna be really fast. So uh, there's a lot of good cars out there, but uh, I think we've got a you know we've got a, a a good chance. Hey Connor, what's
1: your milk choice if you win the thing? You go one percent, two percent, or whole milk?
0: Uh, the majority of the field goes with whole milk, and I, I'm, I'm I'm there in the majority, so it uh, seems like the the um, the right call to make. And and if you make any other choices, there seems to be a lot of internet critics that decide to call you out on it. Um, and there's even been some idiot who photoshops the photo every single time of all of our milk choices. And like they put soy milk in for me. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, haha, funny joke person on the internet that doesn't know anything about anything. So it's, uh, it's hilarious.
1: I'm glad you said that because if I saw that, I would have believed it. And it's not true at all, huh?
0: No, no. There's always... There's always clowns on the internet that think that they're really funny, but uh, it's uh, the legit. Is we're all whole milk, and uh, that's that's what it's all. about. Well, most of us are whole milk. You got a couple two percenters in there, so you know it, it is what it is.
1: Awesome, man. Well, hey, good luck on race day. Hope you do an awesome job, Connor. And it's a lot of fun to visit with you, man. Had a good time. Thank you, guys. I
0: appreciate that.
1: Yeah, thank you. There he is, Connor Daly, Ed Carpenter Racing, Indy 500. Uh, driver, IndyCar driver, that was a good time. I'm telling you, it looks a lot like Canelo Al- Alvarez, do you, think
2: do you think it's the look of Canelo Alvarez that he shares, or do you think it's having former offensive lineman Ben Braden that has prevented any pranks from from going his way this year. What do you think that is?
1: Um, it's probably a two-for-one yeah. combination yeah. right there, I would imagine, but uh, yeah. He didn't no.
2: answer that question, by the way. Like, I asked him, I knew he wouldn't give up his hand, but if he had anything going on, he mentioned after the, it was announced the prank happened and his reaction to it all that there would be retaliation next week. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. he didn't fully pushed back that there couldn't still be something out of his camp.
1: Oh, there will be. You can rest <laughs> assured there absolutely will be payback. There is zero doubt about that. Alright, coming up next, we've got some Jay Cook plays of the day. huh? We already had one earlier in the first hour. A little sneak peek. That's how red hot these picks are going to be. And there is also tremendous audio. A couple of cuts we have for you on the way. I'm Brian Though no, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. It's one of Jimmy's favorite songs on his playlist. A little Montel Jordan, right? Yeah, That's how we do it. Very nice. Okay, so we've got here some... on
2: the west side, Brian. Let's go. <laughs> Come on. Where are we at? Carb day
1: tomorrow. Woo! I know. You're fired up. I like it. Okay, so we've got some funny audio before your hopefully non-funny picks, Jimmy. Okay, we don't want funny picks. We want sound picks. We want serious picks that earn serious cash. Three and one yesterday. That's what I like to hear. Riding the wave of momentum. So this, I'm going to take you to the world of hockey here real fast. Okay? So the Carolina... Hurricanes. I almost always want to say Panthers. The Carolina Hurricanes, they got swept yesterday. They lost every game by one goal. Okay, did you profit off of that?
2: So there's two things here. I can name you one player on the Florida Panthers, and it's the player that everybody can name yeah. at this point. It's Matthew Kachuk. I'm not a hockey guy, but I
3: watch the playoffs because they're electric. Whoa, Kachuk and not Barkov.
2: I could I could've also named you Barkov, but I I'm I'm trying to illustrate the fact that there's another person in this building that is a diehard day one Panthers fan, and that is Brendan King. He's gonna be with me out there at Carb Day tomorrow. Uh, but I lead all that to say that for Myself, the first and only NHL game I went to was a Florida Panthers game. It was electric. It was awesome. It was, it, it, I saw more goals than I thought possible. There were like seven or eight goals scored in that game. So I have a Florida Panthers jersey at home. It's the only hockey jersey I have. This
1: is the longest story ever. We got audio to play here, Jimmy. Good Lord. Go Panthers. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Okay, listen to this. So this is the uh, I Carolina Eddie. Hurricanes head coach, Rob uh, Rod Brendamore. Okay? So his team just got swept. They just lost. Now, now listen to this audio. I find it to be hilarious. That's the unfortunate part of this is you're going to look back and everyone's going to say you got swept. and That's not what happened. I watched
2: the game. I'm there. I'm cutting the game. We're we're in the game. That, that, that We didn't get... We didn't lose four games. We we got beat, but it's, you know, we were right there, and this could have went the other way and this. could have been four games the other way. What?
1: That is so unhockey. That's beautiful. A- I love that. We didn't get swept. We didn't get beat. No, that's exactly what happened, Rod. That's like factually that's what an happened. That's an all-timer. <laughs> that's beautiful. That belongs to every montage
2: of, of press conferences and clippings of ridiculous things said. Oh, it, it belongs man. right there. Right there I at the love
1: top. that. I love that so much. Now, before your picks here, Jay Cook, can, uh, Eddie, can you run it back again? I just love this audio. We yes, were sir. talking about it. This is uh, Emerson Fittipaldi, who won the 500 for a second time. This was in 93. And he shunned, shunned the traditional milk, which is just, it goes like what, back home again in Indiana. It's just, it's tradition over here. He shunned it. This is how the audio sounded.
5: No, I'm not having the milk, sir.
6: Yeah! With that on.
5: Now, there's a first. Emerson, you're not going to drink the milk. Well, I'm going to drink the orange juice. That's my producing, and I, I'm going to have this time orange juice. I produce orange juice.
3: My favorite part about that is the guy in the back going, Yeah!
1: <laughs> that dude's very excited about the orange juice choice. I like how, it, if you want to break it down technically, if he says, I'm going to have the other juice, it's like, milk technically isn't the initial <laughs> juice, you know? I mean... I'm wasting time. We got picks to get to. Let's do it. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day.
6: This is me, all right? I'm not a...
1: Athlete, this is my way. This is how I
2: win. Today's plays of the day lay one and a half on the run line for the Seattle Mariners as they continue their matchup against the Oakland Athletics. Against
1: the A's, they're Uh, red hot on the road, I uh, thought, no. Also also (laughs) gonna take the
2: Baltimore Orioles plus one fifteen on the money line today against the New York Yankees. And in the world of the Eastern Conference Finals, scoop the eight for the Miami Heat, like we mentioned. Go over Jimmy Butler, twenty-eight and a half total points. Three and one yesterday, six and four on the week.
3: And you just go back to the things that barely win.
2: But it also barely. makes you mad and that makes uh, me happy. It infuriates me when he gets garbage time
3: points that hit. Uh, I'm only playing this one I'm going with. I'm going Marcus Smart over 12 and a half points. No uh, Gabe Ooh. Vincent. I think that'll affect the defense on Marcus Smart tonight. He should be able to get going.
1: Okay. All right. Interesting stuff. And Marcus Smart, he's struggled a lot offensively in this series. But hey, you might be onto something here, Eddie. Because typically, what did you
3: say about water? It finds its level. It
1: finds its level. You might find the uh, level with the Marcus Smart scoring water here this evening. We'll see how that goes down. All right, good stuff. We'll see if uh, you profit off of the demise of your favorite team, the Yankees, tonight or not, Jimmy. But uh, JMV coming up at the top of the hour. Everybody have a good day. We'll catch you soon.